Welcome to Rogue Bogues, episode 29. Pro, how's it going? Bogues, glad to be on US soil, brother. Glad to be on US fucking now we, soil. Now, we have a very, very special guest, Pro. I'm going to let you lead him in because you're the best with the banter. So, <laughs> what, what do we got? One of the most decorated Australian players ever to play the game of basketball. I first saw him in 88 in Seoul when he played for Seton Hall. I thought it was Doc Brown from fucking Back to the Future, but it wasn't. I thought he was like 60 fucking years old. His career came full circle. He played against Carl Malone, Moses Malone, and guarded Moses, who fucking parted the Red Sea. None other than Andrew Gaze. <laughs> Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, I appreciate it. I've had some introductions before, but that's uh, that's unique to say the very least. So I'm, I'm happy to be uh, alongside you too. I've heard a lot about what you guys do and I'm really looking forward to some of your takes on the goings on over the last couple of weeks. Well, obviously you don't listen to us because if you did, there's no fucking way you should have came on the show in the first place. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, we'll just start it from there. I'm aware of uh, the little snippets that I've heard that have been, um, yeah, they're interesting. That's like I say, I'm, I'm really keen to, to hear your takes on uh, some of the recent activities, both uh, in the NBA and, of course, uh, we're here in Australia with uh, what the, going the on, Drew? and the Oakles. There's a lot going a lot on. Going on. We'll get to that a little later. Well, that's the main reason why we brought Drew here is the, you know, the pinnacle of Australian basketball can give us some intel on the Olympics. How many Olympics for you? Five? I went to five. Five. Yep. Back in record uh, setting. I don't... 80, 84 was my first. So Pearl was right. It was, it was during the DeLorean days. Shit. Before the it was the last Olympics before amateur, the three point right? yeah. line. And amateur, wasn't it? Yeah, and that was the year. Jordan was in those games. Um, Michael Jordan was there. Bobby Knight was the coach of USA. They beat uh, Spain, I think, in the final. And uh, yeah, it was great times in LA. Oh, they know how to put on Olympic games. <laughs> yeah, bo- folks, Gates perfected his floater over fucking uh, over Bill Russell back in the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. They, they actually had taken the laces out of the ball by the time I got there, but it was uh, it was great times. And, and those games were, were fantastic as well. They, yeah. they were a lot of fun and, and, and really at a time when the Olympics was going through some tough times with all the boycotts and everything going on, LA uh, and the Americans showed how you can actually make money out of the thing. Yeah, we're at a similar time right now with coronavirus, I think, but we'll get to that later. Let's let's start with the NBA final. You've been following the NBA final? I have. Drew? My word, I have. It's 2-2 right now at time of recording. Game five is tomorrow. It's been a great series. I think it's been um, back and forth, exactly what you want to see in a series. Some 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 notes that I've got. Drew Holiday picking up full court mm. CP3. I think it's starting to wear CP3 down. Drew Holiday is an all-league defender. There's rumors that CP3 has a torn ligament in his hand. And you can just see the fatigue setting in. A lot of those shots that were falling for CP in those first two games aren't falling. Giannis has been Giannis. Phenomenal. Um, we'll get to some of his stats a little bit later in our um, stat segment. But for a guy that doesn't really shoot the ball that well, absolutely dominating. Three ball wasn't falling much for Phoenix these last two games. And I was kind of weary of that. They shot the piss out of the ball the first two games. And I was like, I don't know if you can sustain that for a series. I think Aiden's been pretty good in this series. Small ball for small ball has been the MO of this series. We've seen Brooke and Aiden be subbed at, at different times. Aiden's been subbed out. 40 ball from Booker last game. Pro, what do you got for us? And then we'll get Drew to give his uh, take. No, I, I agree. Like, CP's been so good, Bogues, throughout the playoffs, and he didn't really show up what he, you know, what he should have done. He should, you know, he just, he, he looked very ineffective. And that was big for them because they needed that other guy. Booker had a, a great game. You know, he was efficient, taking the ball to the basket, making shots. 
But, you know, they just needed that other guy. They don't have that other scorer, really. They've got good spotter players. They've got Aiton, who's good, you know, running the floor, screening, you know, scoring on the post. But they really need that other scorer. And CP really shows that. You know, we talked about, you know, the $100 million he wanted. And up to this point, everyone was saying, yeah, they'll probably do it. You know, that was a big part of it. And I think you're right. I think Holiday wore him out. And he just was very ineffective. You know, Middleton looked great. You know, uh, Giannis looked very good, but I think Middleton really carried them throughout, you know, last game. And it was interesting because, you know, I fucked Phoenix as is. I picked them to win. And as you know, my picks are completely the other side. So if I, you know, if you really want to make money, just, you know, just take the other side of what I, I tell you to fucking bet and you'll make plenty of fucking money. Gates, what do you got, brother? Well, I actually think that it's going to be interesting, the, the reaction from Paul, because he's been lauded throughout this the entire series. Uh, at his age, is, is it starting to wear him down and uh, speculation about an injury. But um, it's, it's going to be home court versus momentum. You've got this home court advantage coming up. Uh, for Phoenix, but the momentum of when you've won two in a row and everything they've been able to do, and Middleton has been spectacular down the stretch of games. He's coming up big, and you look at Middleton and the volume of shots in that game four. He took a lot, a lot of shots, yeah. and and was at a, a a reasonable clip. But when it counted most, there were some huge plays down the stretch that uh, really got him over the line. So I've been on Phoenix the the entire time, and uh, I, I like the story of Chris Paul, and I really like Chris Paul and the, the way he goes about and the way he plays. So I'm, I'm hopeful for him. But, uh, folks, as you mentioned, Giannis has been very, very good. We, we know the back-to-back 40s, but uh, that block shot. Man, that was huge. I mean, he was in that situation where he's in that drops. He helped. He was able to help out and still get back to – Block the alley-oop. It was one of the the, the plays which uh, I've heard a lot of people talking about, but I think as time goes by iconic. and depending what happens in yeah. this series, that could become the iconic moment. You know the LeBron run down, yeah, the yeah, chase yeah, yeah, down yeah. that come you on, were there, folks? It's that type of impact I think that play could have because it was a pivotal time of the game and uh, I'm, I'm still hopeful for the Suns but I'm nervous for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Milwaukee. I, I think um, I've touched on it in a previous episode. Just Giannis signing that max to stay in a small market and to solidify that with a chip would be sensational. Playing in Milwaukee, it has a probably softer spot in my heart. Of course. But that Giannis play, man, off one foot too. And his post-game comments around that was hilarious. He was like, I was either going to get dunked on. <laughs> yes. And then he was trying to explain <laughs> how he didn't put his hand near the rim. He, he actually went for the ball. And if he would have been closer to the rim, he would have been on a poster, which he usually puts people on. He actually said, if that was me, I would have dunked on him. You know, So unbelievable play. But momentum will be huge. I think the pressure's on Phoenix, to be honest. Even though it they is. have home court. My word. I think going back home, no momentum now. You've lost two straight, and now the pressure's back on you to hold home court at all costs. It's going to be interesting to see if they, if they can hold on, bro. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. Uh, th- th- there's a lot of pressure there for sure, but I still think that Milwaukee has to win on the road you know, against them, and I think they could hold it. I, I'm not going to like count out C- CP. I know how the media fucking acts like they love you one day and now they want to throw you <laughs> off a fucking cliff, which they've done to him the last 72 hours. So so I'm going to stay with them, which I'm actually fucking the city. I'm bending over the city of fucking Phoenix as taking them again for the next game. But I still think that, you know, this is two out of three in Phoenix. I think they're going to win. You know, I think it'll, either, it'll probably go seven because I don't think they could win at, at Milwaukee. 
but I think that um, I think they're going to hold home court, which totally fucking the whole city of Phoenix. I apologize. Your f bombs, bro. You're throwing you're throwing gays into a spin, mate. He's no. pro- he's, he's never heard it so many f bombs per minute. Gays, <laughs> <laughs> seriously, brother. You, hey, just take a bath in holy water when you fucking leave this no. show. Just, no. just get used to it. No, it's um. Just the uh, the volume, the usage is oh, it's yeah, a high usage. Yeah, we get we get a few complaints, but most people <laughs> like it, and it's, it's yes. the Boston. I think he gets away with it because he's got the Boston list. He does. He so does. people kind of feel sorry for him a little bit. <laughs> yes. Hey, just get used to it, brother. Don't worry about it. It'll be over soon. I got a bit of a potty mouth at the best of times, but uh, gee whiz, it's uh, the usage rate is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, appreciate you. Hey, for all the joy you've given me over the years, guys, I'm about to return the fucking favor for you, brother. God love you. Thank you. All bro. right, so where are we at, gents? Two-two right now. Is this? I picked it going seven pre-series. I picked mm. it going seven when it was one-zero, I believe, for Phoenix. I still thought it'd go seven. I'm still going to stick to seven. I'm going to say Milwaukee in seven. What do you, what do you have, Drewy? I'm going with pro. I think that it'll go the distance in the home court will prevail. That's so Phoenix four-three. Phoenix in four. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Pro? Phoenix in seven for sure. Okay, so that means Milwaukee are going to win because Pro gave him the uh, the old hoodoo. <laughs> yeah, that means, that means Milwaukee in six. <laughs> Milwaukee in four now. <laughs> yeah, Milwaukee in four. Milwaukee in three. All right, so that's a final. We'll see how that goes. Willie Green has been hired by the New Orleans Pelicans, so mm. former assistant coach with the Warriors. It's going to be interesting. He hasn't, hasn't been a head coach before, former player, well-liked as a person. I think that's probably the number one priority these days in coaching. You can be the best X's and O's guy in the world. You can have the best system. But if you can't relay that to your players, communicate, give them hugs when they need be, get on them when they need be, you're not going to survive in this league. But, um, you know, h- how do you see the hiring pro? Do you think do you think this is Zion's hiring or do you think the New Orleans Pelicans have gone through a thorough process? Well, look, I think that sometimes teams make – they jump the gun on teams that win championships or at least leaning that way of winning a championship. And, you know, I say this all the time winning teams everybody gets overpaid everybody gets overexposed as far as you know you're not gonna you can't get their best player in free agency so what are you gonna do you're gonna keep going down the line to get that quote-unquote bullshit secret sauce stuff so same thing with coaching obviously you're not gonna get monty williams so you're gonna keep going down their bench because everybody sort of wants a piece of that i admire the move in the fact that you're not just going over a retread coach and you're going over after somebody new. For me, I would have hired Jamal Mosley in this spot. I would have hired him early. And I, it's a little interesting because I don't know if he, I don't know if Green's ready yet. You know, he's he's only been an assistant for a few years. But who and who's ever ready? And Zion's ready to, you know, he's one foot out the door anyway. So, and obviously the Van Gundy thing didn't work and the, the Gentry thing didn't work with him. And he, they hate, his people hated Gentry. His people hated Van Gundy. So you need a guy right now that's going to like sort of, you know, like you said, be friendly with the players, give them a hug, you know, like sort of have a a kumbaya in the locker room a little bit. And also, let's not forget this unit, the front office these days wants to control the coaching staff. So now a younger coach, you know, they hire him year one, they get a lot more input over staff hirings, you know, what he runs and when he runs it. So I think that 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 sort of had a little bit to do with it as well. It's interesting though the the hire. I probably would have went somebody a little more experienced, but you know what? It's uh, good for them for hiring somebody that's not just a retread. They're just you know they're going out in the limb a little bit and hiring somebody with limited experience. Yeah, there is some risk there though. Like you said, he's he's kind of. Um 
you know, wet behind the ears still, I guess, as you'd say. And I think it's, I think this is a Zion hiring. Um, I, I think it is. I think they're trying to do everything they can to make sure it's not Anthony Davis 2.0 where he just, you know, gets out when he's out of contract or, or signs the max and then and then asks to be traded. So I think they're trying to do what they can to keep him in New Orleans. But there's, there's risks with that as well, you know, and they could surround a whole team around him that he wants and players and coaches and then in two years he could leave anyway and then you're stuck holding a bag of bad contracts and, and coaches that you didn't want. But it's a valid point you made around, you know, the GM and the front office you can definitely control a coach more that's young and, and hasn't had a whole lot of experience. I mean, how do, how do you see it, Andrew? Well, the thing about it is these days, as I look at the NBA, it just as, as in a broad view, you look at the way the teams played. When was the last time you saw something unique in an pro? This is pro's pet peeve. You've hit it on the head. He's going to be so happy. Is that right? Well, well, that, that, it's it's everyone does the same stuff. There, yeah. there is nothing different. And when you've got a coach that's young, and I think it's more to your point, Bogues, is that if you will go in there and provided your superstars have ticked this off and that they've liked him and that they feel that he's going to wrap their arms around them and make them feel good then that's probably more of a challenge than the X and O's because I can't, outside of maybe the Warriors when they were, were trans, transforming the league in the way in which they, they used their talent and the three ball and some things that you go back a long time ago with the way the Spurs played. Ball but, movement, yeah. Oh, I can't think of too many yeah. unique nah. systems these days. And to me, it's it's – I don't want to say a blight on the game, but I think – a league is more entertaining when you've got the, the versatility. It's all about the stars and the ooh-ah moments now rather than about the system and a strategy because everyone does the same. I'm watching these games now. I don't know why the coaches just don't together get together and say, listen, I'm going to run and run this motion to get a matchup where this guy's guarding this guy. I know you're going to switch. I know you're going to yeah. do that. Yeah. Let's just get a, do yeah. away with all that other stuff. Just that start we, that way in the first just, place. Let's just understand all this and then we'll see how we go because it's just so yeah. – um, and, 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 of course, in, in the playoffs, it's a different with the intensity. But I think that um, coaches these days, uh, it's going to come down to man management a little bit more than it is the strategy because unless he's doing the same strategy, it's going to take a, a big leap of faith for these new superstars to buy into something which – you and I, Bogues, wouldn't consider radical, but those players may consider radical yeah, like a flex cut. Ooh. <laughs> we're gonna run a cut. My God. You know, yeah. that type of stuff. So it's um good luck to him. It um and, and he's you, you know him better than anyone whether he's got the personality for him, but I don't get too phased by these days by the coaches because it seems like everyone's doing the same thing. Yeah. Pro, how happy are you right now? <laughs> Everybody does the same fucking thing. Everybody's like offensively, it's the same shit. Ball movement, get the matchup you want, dribble 87 times, sidestep, step back, fadeaway jumper from 92 feet. And, uh, you know, everybody defensively does the same thing. Everybody switches, you know, one through five switch because Golden State did it and they won. And now everybody th thinks they want to do it. Analytically, everybody wants to shoot fucking threes. You know, anyone from, you know, four foot nine players from, you know, nine foot zombies wants to take fucking threes. Everybody plays the same way. Every sportscaster, that the, the color commentary, everybody says the same fucking bullshit. Space, pace, this coach is fucking great. This coach is great. Nobody's ever an average to below average coach. Everybody's red fucking hour back. You know, everybody says the same shit. It looks the same. 
you know, it, it's it's just I want one person to just have some balls and just do it the different way a little bit. Like Carlisle when he did it again. We're not fucking, you know, we're not pen pals. We never will be, but like at least the so, guy. So Carlisle fired pro, fired pro for a little oh, bit really? of history, Drew. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the guy threw it in the post for once and fucking, you know, to that seven foot seven fucking zombie they got and you know bovine and fucking and it was it was a very effective. You know, nobody wants to post up because some MIT sports geek on every fucking staff tells him don't throw it in the post. And every time somebody does throw it in the post, it's effective, especially when everybody's switching, you know, on a one five pick and roll. You got a guy who's, you know, six foot one and you got a seven three guy. God forbid he catches in the post and does a post move. They'll throw it back out to another side step, step back, cha, 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 three. You know, and nobody, it, like, I don't understand the fucking IQ of basketball players these days. Like, Back in the day, it's like, look, I got this big on a cross screen, they switch, or a pick and roll, they switch, throw it into the post. And even if they're not going to score out of it, then you, th- you run some split action or cutting action off the ball. You know, God forbid somebody actually, like you said, you know, Gaze, God forbid somebody fucking cuts, you know, cuts from the weak side, like have some movement. But yeah, I agree. They Everybody does the same stuff. Yeah, and then we've got Wes Unseld uh, Jr. Mm. getting the Washington job that was broken today, pro, by you um, to me. <laughs> this is the first I heard of it, but a similar hire. He's been around a little bit more longer, though, than, than Willie Green. He's, he's done his rounds, so an interesting one to see how that all goes. We know Washington's kind of one foot into a rebuild, but then they make the play for Westbrook, so you're not really rebuilding. they got Hachimura. they got a mm. few um, other young pieces. Avdia from uh, mm. Israel, right? Mm. And yeah, I think it's they're half rebuild, half not. I don't love their roster. I don't love the direction they're going because there's no real science to it but a young coach once again as, as we've discussed pro what, what have you heard about him very well schooled he's been around a long time i think he's been coaching close to 20 years if not more in the league as assistants in various spots yeah he's been around he's well respected again he comes from a winning program in denver he's been there for a few years and they obviously are not going to get mike malone or michael malone i forgot which one you can't call him but um or I'll rip your fucking head off. But Wes Unsell Jr. is, like I said, well-respected. He's got a little more juice as far as because he's been around. He's been a little bit more, he's a veteran assistant. He could probably handle Westbrook a little bit more than a first-time coach would be. I probably would have tried to go maybe a little bit more experience here. But you know what? Like like you said, half rebuild, half not. I'm not sure how much longer they're going to go with Bradley Bale before they move him or Westbrook before they move him or try to move him or stretch them out or whatever, they'll probably go one more year with it. And then they'll probably start making some decisions as far as, you know, getting those guys out of town. But um, yeah, I think he deserves a chance. He's been there. You know, he's been in, he's been in the system a long time. He's seen a lot of things. Might as well give the guy a chance. And and good heritage too. Uh, his dad, you know, with, with yeah. the, and the heritage there with the, the organization, there is a, you know, there's a little bit of a romance because of, I, I think that was uh, a factor in, them making that move as well, and uh, you know the thing about the the, the uh, wizards. I keep calling them the bullets because that's how old I am. He played for but, him, uh, and his dad. Yeah. He and, his, and his dad was there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and uh, that was in an era with with Rex and Kenny Walker and big uh, uh, Georgie. Yeah, big Gitza, We <laughs> yeah. used to call him. Um, so the, the, it was yeah. uh, it was a great time. And but the th- I heard. Well, you, you you read online that that they are also one of the players that have in negotiations with talking about potential trade with, with Simmons yep. and you're thinking about, well, how does that franchise 
take the next step. And uh, you're going to have to give up uh, uh, something decent for him, of course. But uh, that could be uh, one of those moves where you put in place uh, someone like Ben who can be transform it and, and, and when yep. you and go from oh well where are they they're sort of in the middle of nowhere with their with their roster you get him and you build around him I'm just not sure you can put him next to Westbrook well that's it not Westbrook but it depends <laughs> on get, get rid of Westbrook yeah correct if you had Westbrook and Simmons the defense literally be sitting in the fifth row waiting for them to shoot the fifth yeah. row behind the basket waiting for them to shoot but go ahead Gaze up. my bad my bad go no ahead. no no it's all good And but that's I think with a new coach and if they're able to pull off a move like that where, where you start to make noise and in uh and and that after a horrific start they actually made something yeah, of their season they did really well yeah i picked them to make the playoffs yeah. early in the season because i thought i just thought the intensity westbrook plays with will get him get him some wins yeah. during the regular season but they were terrible they were horrible the i was like oh yeah. what awful peak by bogues and then and then it actually came that they they battled and, and made the playoffs through the playing obviously that brings us on to trade rumors last season was kind of hyped up to a lot like a lot was going to happen mm. and it didn't it was kind of there was a little bit that happened, but this season there's a lot of trade rumors. The first thing I want to touch on with Pro and you, at least yourself, but mainly Pro, is how early do you start p- paying attention to trade rumors? Because the NBA news cycle is a genius news cycle, right? <laughs> yeah. So for those that don't know, you've got the NBA regular season, which starts from let's say first last week is October. Mm. Then you've got the NBA playoffs starting in April. Mm-hmm. Then you've got. Um, the lottery in May, mm. then you've got NBA finals in June, mm. then you've got the draft the draft in June, July, yep. then you've got free agency and trade mm. rumors, then you've got summer league. They don't have one month of no news cycle. Mm-hmm. They own the market every month of the year. It's amazing, right? So how early pro do you start paying attention to these trade rumors? Because we're going to go through some right now. There's a lot out there. Or do you just kind of wait and see all the draft? I think you have to start a little earlier now, especially when Simmons is sort of open market on him. Lillard, they're talking about no, but you know you know how that is. They always say no, but then they're probably thinking behind closed doors about trades. I think with these with these higher picks, you might have to think about sort of situations if you're going to trade Simmons to a bad team. If you're going to trade him to Houston, you know, Houston's probably going to have to give up that, what, number two pick they have. So it's like, now you have to pay attention to it a little earlier. You probably have to do it a little bit before the draft. You never know with this stuff, and, and, and it happens full circle. And you know, it used to be after the draft, you could probably start, you know, keying in on it. Maybe in August, September, maybe somebody will do something before, you know, before you know training camp or you know into the you know before the season starts officially. But now with these draft picks and things, I think you have to pay attention to it. A lot of these deals are being made on draft day now, you know, to swap picks and things like that. So, yeah, you gotta. I think you got to pay attention to it a little earlier, Bogues. What do you think? Yeah, it's just interesting because it's getting earlier and earlier, earlier every season. And sometimes there's a lot of, like I said, in that news cycle, there's a lot of fluff being put out there just to, you know, create some news and some things that are topical. But there is a lot out there. The Simmons ones, first off, there's there's the Damien, Dame Lillard ones, the Big elephant in the room, the NBA. Um, uh, Pro, you mentioned to me that he's met, met with the organization, the coach, you know, Chauncey, new coach. There's a lot of controversy about that hiring, which we've touched on. And the GM, he wants he wants some direction around where they're going, right, Pro? And th- these are always hard conversations to have with your star player because it's you don't want to give your star player the keys to hire and fire everybody, but you obviously want him to hang around. I think he's been a good soldier for Portland considering when you compare him to most superstars about any adversity or the team's not going as well as I want, get me out of here, I'm going to go team up with a big three or a big four. But 
Where do you see that? Do you think he'll stay, bro? No, I think he's gone. Here's why I think he's gone, because I think he's going to give it one more year. They've done a pretty good job building that roster up. Like in like everybody wants to nitpick, right? Like everybody wants to think that they they need like nine members of the dream team on their fucking team, and it's impossible to do that. Like, look, they they drafted McCollum, they drafted Willard, you know, they brought in Norman Powell, um, you know, the 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 trade, you know, they made a couple of more trades. They got like guys like Ennis Cantor. They got um the big kid, the big European kid. What's his name, Bogues? Nurkic, the five man that. Yeah, they got Nurkic on, on a nothing trade. Collins has been hurt for a couple of years. But they built it up the best they can. They just can't got anybody. That's my point. So did they really be, bring it up the, build it up the best they can? They, they don't have one defender on their roster. They play no yeah, defense. Yeah, agreed. But they, you know, they sold this soul to the devil in the sense that they got two gods that are small that could score 1,000 points but they're going to give up a thousand and fifty points. You know what I'm saying? Like, so like those guys really score. They play a certain way. They, you know, that's their NBA skill. They can go and score. They can do some things, you know, but the, the problem they made was like a few years back. They gave Alan Crabb a huge contract that they, they got Whiteside, you know, things like that. They got Leonard. They signed him to a pretty big deal. Those are the small deals when you fuck up on those things that comes back and haunt you instead of bringing in defensive-minded guys. But I'll tell you what, like I said, Willard, you know, McCullum's good, you know, Norman Powell's good, you know, bringing in some guys is good. I mean, they brought in some good players, but they just can't guard anybody. So they're not going to, like, you, know, you fired a coach you probably shouldn't have fired. You know, they, I think he did the best they could with that roster, and they're not going to go very far. They'll probably, at best, win a round in the playoffs. But they can't go further than that. Look at the teams you got ahead of you. I just don't think you can do that. And now you got a coach who's never coached. He's never been a head coach in his life. And now he's got to learn. He's got to make mistakes like every first-year NBA coach does. They don't have that team Ty Lue did in Cleveland where he could sleepwalk into the finals. Like, you got a team that you got to work for, and it's going to be hard for Chauncey to do that. And that roster is a good roster, but it's not – Defensively, I just don't think they could do enough. That's that's my take. But he's saying, um, just reading online about his comments uh, after Team USA practice that they had, that he was all he's speaking like he's is all in on on the pool. He said, "Listen, I haven't asked I haven't asked for a trade. That's not what we're about. We're a very very good team." But the the telling quote I think is is he says uh, I just think we've reached that point where it's like okay it's not enough do we actually want to win it all is that what we're shooting for and in that you th- I think he's basically sending the message to say well I'm all in and and, and his contract is it, he's still got another two or three years yeah, I think yep. to go and that kind of annoys me and I, I, I think that reading these comments uh, after this practice session that He's saying the right things. He's saying, "Yeah, I'm gonna. I want to be in Portland. I don't. I want to be out of here, but I want to see some changes." Open but the checkbook. Just go out there and show us that you, you're fair income about trying to win a championship. We just don't want to be good. And like you were saying, pro, they, they're going to be good enough to be thereabouts. They'll probably make the playoffs, even with a new coach and sort of being in that mark. But how much further can they go? And when you're a superstar, and these days. More of them care more about their legacy than the money, and then the legacy uh, is is a big issue. And for him, he might be getting to that point to think, well, in this market where I'm at, am I ever going to be spoken about in the same types of tones of some of these other superstars? So maybe that starts to kick in at a point of career he's at. But um, but certainly publicly, he's saying the right he's things. saying the right things. Okay, oh, he said he's all in, huh? 
Well, I don't know if he's all in. I don't think he's, I don't, maybe all in might be a bit too extreme, but he's all in. No, he said he's all in, right? Yeah, because I told my wife I wasn't going to fucking physically raid the Oreo jar last night, and that shit went the other way too. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, well, true, it might be, but at least publicly, because it annoys me, the, it really annoys me when you've got these guys on, and I know money's not the only factor, but when they're getting so well paid, but that, but yet, Want to take not all in, yeah. an e- easier option? Say, well, no, I don't want to work with this organization. Maybe they, they right. and they just go out there and will do silly things and say silly things just to guarantee that they have to be traded. Like James Harden, just that type eight, of stuff. Eight yeah. his way out of Houston. Yeah, oh, I might show up to practice. Maybe not. You know that type of stuff. Yeah. And and you, that really annoys me that that it gets to that point. And of course, winning a championship is the goal of every of them all, but. Uh, I think you can hurt your legacy by some of the behaviour you have as well as just winning championships. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. I th- as, this is as a former player. The player mm. empowerment's gone too far towards a player. Wow. You know, I think it needs yeah. – I think the David Stern era was iron fist, yeah. like team empowerment, owner empowerment. Yeah. We're going the other side now and, and we're seeing the ramifications of that. I think fans are, you know, at an all-time leave level from the NBA watching the game. There's a number of factors, but players changing teams, players – making a big three, big four, players not wanting to play in small markets, players then quitting on on teams and just leaving. Mm. I think it hurts the game and I think the empowerment thing needs to be a good balance where, you know, you got to give a little bit to the player but they got to give some back as well. And like you said, if you're if you're signing that max extension with your team and then a year in you're complaining about something, don't sign the max extension. Mm. <laughs> like, it, you know. But but isn't your isn't your legacy going to be a far greater? Now, of course, you, you can't look ahead and, and understand what happens with the team. But if you – if you're into the organization, you're a superstar, they reward you because of what you've been able to do with the money that you only get. To see that through and bring a championship or two to an organization, at the, I think has greater value than winning an extra As a big three. one or two championships if you keep shopping yourself around and going That's why I love Giannis. all over the place. Correct. I love what he's done and I think it'd be such a great story for the league and hopefully it sets an example for more superstars. Sign your max with your small market You've won a chip. He's going to own that city. Correct. You know, and I think it's just a great story. Some real quick ones I'm just going to go through. Tell me which ones um, intrigue you guys. I'm going to go through them all real quick. So I've got, obviously, 76 76ers open up. Ben Simmons trades, mm. no, talks, no shit. Lakers seeking, get this pro, difference-making playmaker to unlock, unlock small ball lineups. We've also got Mavs, Heat, Spurs, Wolves interested in John Collins. Cavs, Pacers, Wolves, Kings, Raptors interested in trading for Ben Simmons. Pelicans plan to hire Willie Green. That's done. Pelicans unlikely to match if Alonzo Ball signs a big offer sheet somewhere else. Knicks most aggressive in Colin Sexton trade talks. Rockets aggressively trying to trade up with the Pistons to number one. That's an interesting one. And then the Nets, Lakers, and Warriors – Warriors are up there again, have been given the best 2022 NBA Finals odds. That's interesting because none of those teams were even there at the mm. end, you know. So which ones intrigue intrigue you there, Drew? Well, I'm interested to see what happens with Lonzo Ball. He's one that's in an organization. You think that, that they made those trades, they got him on, on side, a young guy who – He's he's one of those guys who tried, he did something I didn't think it was possible. He changed his Completely shooting. Completely changed. And, and he's now a really good – uh, reliable uh, three-point threat. To me, when you look at him and the mystique that was around, around him, probably because of dad and the whole family thing when he first came into the league, but where he's come to, where to, what I saw of him this last season, that he made significant strides forward. And 
where do you go if you if you if he's no longer there and you're moving on? Okay, you might get something back for him, but are you getting? How good do you need to be in you order got to? are there still. But, correct, but, but but when you look at what he brings yep. and uh, how he's improved his shot and, and and his willingness to look at himself and say oh, I need to make change and and that type of, of of player, I don't know. It just seems like his stocks aren't as high as what I think they are. And he, I played with him in, in LA for, for mm. half a season that I was there, and he he's he gets a bad rap. He's a great kid. Yeah, he's kind of quiet. He has a good sense of humor, but he wants to like all the. Put his dad aside and the Lavar Ball show and the, yeah. the BBB Big Baller brand. <laughs> yeah. He loves basketball. Yeah, that was what I was most shocked about playing with him. He actually loves the game and, and he's a very high IQ player. And I think he'd be a valuable commodity on a lot of teams, bro. Yeah, I agree. You know, he's gotten better for sure. I I was very high on his passing early on. I thought he's one of the best passers in the draft. I thought he's one of the five or six best passers in the league. I'm not saying the best point guard in the league, but I thought his vision was the thing that really set him apart. The shooting was a problem. He's he's semi fixed that. He's on the he's on the upswing on that. The only thing you want to stay away from, though, especially when these teams play these games in free agency, when they have they want to mess with you because the kid's going to be a restricted free agent, and you throw money at him, and then you have to see if you want to match or not. That's going to be the biggest, you know, the, the biggest tell here. You know, what do you do with that? Do you match? Do you not? You know, somebody's going to offer him eight to like the Knicks have money, right? The the Mavericks are going to have money. Now, I think the Mavericks will use all their money on in Hardaway Jr. But like, if they throw, if someone throws fifteen, eighteen million dollars at Lonzo Ball, what do you do? You know, like, and you don't want to mess your cap up going forward, especially if you don't like the kid as far as his game. I like Ball. I think he's a good player. There is a number on every player though that you can't really like go for like you can't really cross that like Mendoza line on it that's the only thing I'd worry about um I I've heard the opposite folks like you played with him so you know I, a couple other guys that I knew that know him said he didn't really like he wasn't really into like watching film but he's a young kid you know these young kids they don't know anything about being a pro when they become a pro they think but pros making money it's not about getting there early staying late you know watching film getting critiqued all you know taking care of your body all that he's gotten better with that and he's matured with that i do i would sign him if i'm them they got some good young players I would go forward with him. I think, you know, Bledsoe is a good player, but he's not a point guard. You know, he's a he's a non-shooting, attacking two that can guard, you know, that can he's defend a little guard. bit. Remember they used to have the off-guard position back in the day? <laughs> he's off-guard. Off An off-guard. Yeah, he's a, he's off-guard, all right. But um, so but there is a number that I would, like, I wouldn't go over. But, like, I would want to sign him. But you never know. There's so many, like... They flip the lid on all these fucking rumors, you know. Oh, they won't match. No, they'll pay twenty million. No, they think he's a minimum player. No, they love him. No, they hate him. He's gonna play in China next year. Like, like it's it goes from one end to one extreme to another, you know. So I don't really pay attention to the noise, but I like the kid. But there is a number I wouldn't go over. And it could be it could be posturing from his agent too, you know. Um, yeah. And that could be posturing from the Pelicans. They've leaked that to say, hey, if you come to us with some bullshit offer sheet, you know, yeah. trying to trying to get his value down. So you got to read between the lines there. Anything else on that list, guys? What do you think, Gage? What do you got, bud? No, no, you go ahead, bro. I'm I'm hogging it. Ah, fuck shit. <laughs> Me and Hog go hand in hand. <laughs> now the John Collins thing is pretty interesting. What they're gonna do with Atlanta is gonna do with him. You know, teams are gonna have to give up significant things. People think he's a max player. I don't think John Collins is a max player. I think he's a good player. But I think 
when you get in trouble is when you pay guys like that $30 million a year. When I think he's a good, like, you know, he's a good probably 20 to $25 million guy. And then, but when you start paying 30, $35 million for a player like that, where I don't think he could be a feature, but I think he could, he could be like, he's a good, like, you know, he's a good role player, a high level role player to Trey Young and that team. I just don't think he's one of those guys you like, like Milwaukee, you know, so to speak, right? You got, you got Giannis and then you got Middleton making a shitload of money. But as you can see in the playoffs, you could just give it to Middleton, get out of the way, and he can make a play. Collins is good on rolls. He's good in transition. He can make an open shot. But when you need to flatten everything out, give him the ball and say, hey, you know, they're doubling Trey. Trey can't make a play today. We need you to step up. I don't know if he could really do that consistently and be that guy. Uh, what do you guys think about Collins and what you've seen out of him? Yeah, it's a, it's the intrigue of the t- the talent that's going to probably have someone overpay him. I agree with you, Pro. I, I don't think he's a he's a max guy that you're paying to be your number one guy. He's probably at best two to three on most rosters. You know, some rosters maybe yeah. four. Um, but it'll be it'll be the intrigue of of can he? He's you know he's he got a lot better to me in that playoffs too. I think he he got a little bit better. He showed a little bit more. He showed a, a nice little post game when they actually went to him a turn face jumper and gone by guys. But he's not there yet. No, I agree with that. And I think I think it'll be a team like a you know making it up a small market mm. team a Detroit or someone like that that'll be like let's let's throw some cash at this guy and make that gamble that in two years he is that guy and and then we don't have to go out and find one. So that's how I see. Jeez, he, he was very impressive. I didn't see a lot of Atlanta throughout the course of the season, but of course during the playoffs he, he was they were front and center and he was impressive. He he knocked down the three ball better than I thought. He, you know he he could really shoot it, catch and shoot it, and was aggressive down low. So supreme athlete and still got a uh, as you say but I think he's still got some, a lot of upside so it's the the economics of it all I don't know but as far as a player he's better than a good player I think he's a very good player yeah. maybe not an elite player but a very very good player and it just comes down to the economics of certain teams and the fit yeah well, I mean, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I agree but with that. You, yeah, you might you might see a team overpay him and we're saying it's overpaid today but in 2 years it might be a good contract. Real quick, we don't have to discuss this too much, but Kawhi Leonard confirmed that he yeah. had a partially torn ACL. So obviously we knew something was going on. I mean, I caught it on the podcast. Once once I saw that he was sitting in the crowd and not on the bench during, yeah. during games. He's got crazy, you, man. You knew something was up and you just hate to see that. And for a guy they call the robot, you know, even he gets injuries. So, and he's, I'm not, is it the same knee pro, do you know, that he had in um, the issue with, with his quad and everything in San Antonio? I'm not sure. Don't quote me on it. I think it's the, I think it's an other, I think it's the other one. To be honest, I think it's the other knee. I don't think it's the same one, but I could, I could be wrong on that. I, I, I don't, I do not know. Well, wishes to him. We'll move on from that. I found some real interesting comments uh, randomly on Hoops Hype here. Um, credit Hoops Hype with this from Ryan Anderson. Um, when he was with the Houston Rockets. He infamously was, yeah, second-round pick um, and then signed a big contract, yep. right? So I'll read through all this. I just thought it, was, it just intrigued me. Ryan Anderson says he was unf- unfairly criticized by Rockets fans when he played two seasons in Houston under a big free agent contract. It was a new thing for me because I'd sort of always been the underdog, overachieving, and now I was the overpaid guy who was underachieving, right? He says, it's a tough thing to do. He played with James Harden, yep. remember? It's a tough thing to do when you're getting zero credit, especially when you're making a lot of money and you're getting two shots – 
with two seconds left on the shot clock and you miss them and you're 0 for 2 from 3 and everyone says I suck. He goes on then to say, it's the greatest part about not being in the NBA right now because I can just unload on how much that pisses me off. People don't want to hear it. I made a lot of money. I've lived a great life. I'm so blessed. I love it. But the game's not fun when you have to just stand there and you're not involved at all. You want to be involved. You want to be part of the game. And then went on to say, I'm not a good defender either. So I'd always have to switch on Steph Curry and he'd make, bu- make buckets on me and then I'm the idiot. I'm the idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, look, he has a point to an extent because when he signed his deal, it was kind of the James Harden transition period and he had he was a real valuable player for mm. him back with the Parsons and, and all those mm. guys back then. And Houston just went so dribble ISO heavy with Harden that it was like he'd shoot 15 out of 16 trips and then it was like swing, swing, swing because I'm doubled. Ryan Anderson opened the corner. Oh, this is what the ball feels like. You better make that fucking shot. You better make that shot. Or you, and, yeah. and Ryan Anderson fell victim to it. And you could see once it started to gain momentum in the media, the fans, he was almost shaking when he was catching the ball at times. And it's a hard way to play, Drew. When, you, when, you don't, when you're not involved in an offense and then it's a big possession late, and you got to make that shot. You overthink it. You probably overshoot it. It is, but but you know when they sign him, they knew that he knew what he's getting himself into. It was it was one that you look at and just got to make the shot. That's that's the way they're yeah. playing. You're standing around. We're going to penetrate. There's help. You catch and shoot. And a real ugly way to play. And, and aesthetically, that time when Harden was at Houston. I can't tell you the respect I have for Harden's skill, but was for me almost unwatchable. I, I did not watch. You, you go awful. on a league pass. I was never clicking onto a Rockets game because it was just really tough to watch. Now, on the flip side of that, when I see him now with um, with Brooklyn, I actually don't mind. I think at least he, he's moving it. He's moving it. He's distributing the ball, and and whether. And yet you always go back and think, well, is it the singer or the song? When he was at Houston, was it was it him or was it the system? And with uh, D'Antoni, the way, in what, the way they wanted to play, and those around him, that was going to be their job. And Anderson probably picked up that contract because he has a spell where he shows a skill. Yep. And then, you know, I don't want to be critical. Bit of sour milk. A bit, well, if you're not making the shot, that's, <laughs> mate, that's your job. <laughs> now, you can come up with all the excuses in the world, shot clock, not enough touches, and they are all valid. Yeah. But it's no surprise what they were doing. It wasn't like this snuck up on him, the yeah. this, this style of play that they were doing. This is the way they, were, they chose to shitty, play. It's a shitty way to play. I'll agree with him. But Correct. But you're right. He was paid to be that third, fourth fiddle when James is double to make a three pro what do you have yeah i mean i I have a lot of respect for ryan anderson as a player i liked him coming out of the draft when he played for cal and it took him a little bit you know to sort of to find his way now daryl morey wanted to play a certain way in houston he wanted to play with and that at that time i think they were sort of getting rid of the two bigs deal and uh, throughout the league so he wanted to create more space you know for harden and those guys you know in he, they wanted to put a stretch four out there instead of like, you know, obviously a, power, a real power forward. And, you know, James Harden to me, when he was in Oklahoma City, I remember working out Kevin Durant. I don't want to be a Jay Will and get killed on social media by KD. So please, KD, don't, you know, don't go after me. But I remember working him out at his camp and, and talking to him about it. 
I always thought that James Harden, when he was in Oklahoma City, should have been their real point guard. Because vision-wise, the guy was unbelievable vision. He has unbelievable feel for the game for passing the ball. Now, he came off the bench. He had a different role. But I thought Westbrook should have played that Dwayne Wade role and be off the ball and have, you know, Harden on the ball and be a point guard because he just – he could find people and get in the lane. He could make a play. But I think now when he had all these other pieces that he had to, like, sort of facilitate to and he was coming off the bench, now he comes to Houston and he totally – they just basically give everything they they like look you're you're gonna be you're gonna be bugs bunny you're gonna be playing first base second base third base catcher like you're gonna be playing everything you do whatever you want and they're just gonna build everything around him and that's just how we wanted to play and yeah it was an ugliest shit way to play and he's i mean although he, he put up these huge numbers um yeah it is tough to play with him but like like they say in Goodfellas, like you can't pay your bills, fuck you, pay me. Like you can't oh, sorry, <laughs> yo, your grandmother died, fuck you, pay me. Like nobody cares. They gave him they gave him like sixty million bucks. Nobody gives a fuck if you get the ball with twenty on the shot clock, with two on the shot clock. Yes, it's ugly as shit, you know, but they weren't begging you to sign that contract. You know, you signed a sixty million dollar deal. It is what it is. It sucks. You're in a bad spot. But yes, it is tough to play that way. But again, nobody gives a fuck. You just got to deal with it, and it is what it is. I think he had, you know, he was a hell of a player. I had, I, he had a hell of a skill. He could stretch the floor, you know, and he could put the ball on the floor a little bit when guys closed out on him and ran him off the line. You know, he could do some things. But yeah, it's a tough way to play. But tough fucking shit. Like, what are you gonna do? That's the way to go. Yeah. And James and James Harden has had some double digit assist games this past season with huge, Brooklyn. yeah, where he was really moving it, and, and I think Pro makes a valid point. Maybe that OKC era, you put him at the one and, and move Russ off the ball, which I think everyone wanted at that period. KD at the three four, you know, but then maybe a scoring punch, coaching change, who knows? But moving on, we've got we've got Uncle here, so it'd yes. be remiss for us not to mention Josh. Giddy Pro mm. has, has got a green room invite to the NBA draft. So that generally means generally let's yes. not let's not put the hoodoo on him. Don't say anything, Pro, don't jinx him. <laughs> but generally means you're going somewhere in the top top ten. Gaze, what do you see? Because you you know, you obviously were over there, you're watching, you watched him more than we did. What did what did you think of him truly as a player in that league in his you know, in his year this year? Yeah, oh, he was exceptional, and, and I'm biased because I've known the kid since he was born. Um, I started working him when he was nine or ten, coaching the under twelves, under fourteens, and under sixteens, and a bit of time with the in the under eight. So right throughout his junior period, that and play with I his old with, man, don't forget, play with his dad, who was uh, a super, and his mum was a really good player as well. So he comes from, he's got great genetics, and his basketball IQ is the standout. Uh, his size, six eight, uh, sees the floor. Uh, elite passing ability, uh, but his ability to play two or three passes ahead, read people, read, know where they're going to be. And his shot has been a little maligned, but his shot is not bad. It, it, the fundamentals are all there. Yeah, you can look at some things. And uh, just recently, before he went over there, we were working at it. And it's, it's funny, you see little quirks in people's shots and you try and uh, help him out through that. Uh, he's got a, a couple of little things, but nothing that you should be of concern. And you saw that in the game the other day uh, against uh, Nigeria, where he came down and the confidence that he- Looked really good. Just the stroke, it was fluent. If you notice it, one of the things we were working on, and I've never heard this before, and maybe this is the, the new school, because he'd had this little hitch in his shot. And and we're working on this little hitch, and I'm like, you, you always seem, sometimes you pause, and there's and his fingers, I noticed his fingers were moving. And I was working on him, and he said he, he felt more confident and comfortable 
when he had his three finger, you know, shooting hand on the scene, and he was trying to adjust and make these adjustments when he'd go oh, up to he's shoot. Ca- as he's catching as the ball, as he goes yeah, up, he gets it into the you get to your shot pocket, get wow. to the set, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's got this little. It's only a small little thing. And it's one of those ones is I'm trying to advise him. And you know what? I left it alone. I said, well, if that trying to change no, that, it's, hard. It, it's very hard because the, the rest of the shot is right there. But I think that he has got huge, huge upsides because he falls into a category that you don't, that is really small. There's not many players uh, that have his skill sets at 6'8", 6'9". He's kind of like a Luka, Donkic, a Luka Doncic in and, – and I know that's a stretch. You're talking about one of the greatest players in the world right now. But those skill sets, I think that he can do it more probably with the pass and with the shot than what Luka does. But that type of impact he ultimately could have, and that's the potential in him. So since the start of last season and what he was able to do in the NBL, and, and, and as uh, Bogues's mate used to say, this ain't no Cupcake League in uh, the NBL. <laughs> that's all. Mate, it's, your <laughs> it's our mate. Commentary partner. He's a good man. So um, we, he's up against real men with real challenges and strategically in a league where you're scouted to within an inch of your life. So everyone knows what they're trying to do and take it away. And he showed that he could handle that pressure and still deliver. So I think that he is going to be a really high prospect. Um, they're talking somewhere between seven and well, Golden State have seven, so and they've had a really the talk, and they, they really like good. Him. I've had some talks with them; they like him, so he's definitely in the mix there. Well, they say they've got seven and fourteen, and my understanding, whether I read it somewhere or someone told me, they believe that if they don't take him at seven, he won't be available at fourteen. Mm-hmm. So there's some really high expectations on where he's going to be, such as why he's been invited to that green room. But for his sake, I hope he gets with the right program because – That's the other thing. That that can hurt Timing. you as well. Yeah. The, Bro, what are you hearing? You, you where, where, where are you hearing position-wise? Are you hearing anything over there? I'm hearing that he'll probably won't get out of the top 10. Uh, you know, probably later 10, 8, 9, 10, maybe a little before that, but probably right in that slot – you know, but I'm with Gaze on on his on what he said. I I think it all depends on where he goes. Not, you know, everybody gets caught up on what spot you get drafted at. You know, your agents get caught up in it, and you get caught up in it. I think it's where you go, your program. Can you play minutes? Is your head coach going to actually like playing young players? Um, do they have a good development program? Are they going to continue to work with you? You know, those types of things. You don't want to go to a place where. You know, the coach is wrong for you or you're not going to play a lot. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like, folks, if he goes to Golden State, right, do you, do you play him right away? You can't play him right away, right away. But, I mean, obviously him in the lineup with Curry, being able to get Curry off the ball and, and play certain situations. You could post him up. You could do some things. You know, it's interesting. You could. You could. You could play him in the Iguodala kind of role. To an extent, off the bench early on, maybe. Um, if you started him, you could then drag him early, and then and then bring someone else in, and then bring him back again later on in the quarter. But I think defensively, you could with his size. You could Golden State system, the one through five switching with Draymond at the five. He'd be a valuable commodity with his length. He needs to improve his defense a little bit, which we all know. But I think he's eighteen. You know, mm. he probably hasn't been knuckled down and taught the pro way of defending. So that'll that'll take some time. But yeah, that'll be the interesting one. And and I think he can play off the ball. From the games I saw, he 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 knows how to cut. He knows how to move away from it, pro. He could be Sean Livingston, in my opinion. He could play that type, you know, big guard who could pass. I I worked with Sean uh, right when he right after he got drafted with Tim Grover in the summertime, 
And I love Sean. If Sean didn't get hurt, you know, Boston was very close to trading for him, um, you know, early on in his career, you know, and I thought he was going to, you know, before he got hurt and that horrific knee injury, he, he, he just had great vision, great kid. You know, he could do a lot of things. He, he, he put his career back on track after a few years of, you know, working back in. But that's what I see him as, like a Sean Livingston type. You know, now when you say Sean Livingston, he was a little limited even when he played with you guys, helping you win a champion, you know, multiple championships. But I think he could be that type of player when before Sean got hurt. And I think before he got hurt, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, before he got hurt. The thing about Giddy right now, yes, he can play off the ball and he, he cuts well, he reads the game, uh, he does all those things, but he's at his best with the ball in his hands. Yeah. And he's going to if you're going to get the best out of him. Uh, right now for where he's at. And you saw that even in the Nigeria game. Uh, I think in that Nigeria game, you saw that defensively he he understood the concepts. He understood where he went. He, when he had to double, he doubled. When when he had to keep someone in front of him, he could keep someone in front of him. And uh, and and conceptually, with you could see on the weak side, he knew where he was going. When he had to guard two, he guarded two. So he could do all those things. But offensively, um, he was much more comfortable when he's got the ball and he's got an assignment. A couple of times on ball, but purely on ball was to get some post-ups, some really good post-entry passes. He, he, he had a turnover in one of them. But uh, creating off the dribble and having others move around him right now is where he's at his best. And I think in that whatever system he goes to, if you're just going to play him more off the ball, then I think you're not necessarily – well, using it's more, his it's assets. more predicated towards if he goes to Golden State specifically because you're not you're not taking the ball out of Steph's hands for long no, periods. So that, no. that's kind of the, the where we're kind of lining that up. If yeah. he goes to a team like that, then you got to he's going to have to play spells off the ball to fit Absolutely. in. We, we asked him that when we had him on the pod, and he yep. had, he said he was happy to do it if that was what was asked of him. You know, early on in his career, obviously, yeah, building into his, you know his stock and getting himself better and better. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it all comes down to. What Pro said, sometimes it's better to go 14 than 10 if it's going to the right situation. And I yep. think it's going to be, you know, hopefully he can get to a system where, you know, similar to what Lonzo Ball was with the Lakers his rookie year or where they just give him the ball and they're like, mm. go and play young fella, play through mistakes, learn on the fly. Hopefully it's one of those systems. If it's a team that's half in the playoffs that is like, oh, he's not ready yet, that's what you kind of don't want to see. I'd rather him go mm. to a – Lower, lower 10 teams? Well, the, the teams that you, just, again, through online, and, and I know I'm close to him, but yeah, I have not spoken to him yeah, yeah. at all, so it's not, nothing other than that. But from what you read, uh, Raptors, Indiana are two that are really, really high on him <laughs> as long Rick as- Rick the Oh, have, nice. I, have I hit a nerve here? Have I had said something wrong? No, nah, 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 we're good. We're good. Yeah, <laughs> no, we're but, good. but there and, and uh, where they are in their cycles- and their personnel, I- I'm not so sure, but but you know when you think of the Raptors, they'll move on. Probably they'll move off Larry. I that's think. what I'm saying. So if, yeah, he, if Larry's the at the end of his tether, then there seems to be a a transition that mm. looks pretty good when you think of Giddy's skill sets. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. But he is in the draft green room, which is the first step to yeah, you know, getting there. So another interesting thing I saw, J- uh, Jared Dudley had some comments which I found were really. Truthful and insightful. First off, there was a, a post that said multiple players from Jason Tatum to Bradley Beal have been staring down the officials following no calls as they're accustomed to receiving tough touch fouls or star treatment officiating in the NBA. Of course, FIBA refereeing yes. is much different. So Jared, uh, Jared Dudley- When you so, say different, you mean they actually apply the rules? Yeah, no, essentially, sure. essentially yeah, no they, superstar calls, no, no antics. Correct. So this, uh, is, this is really messed with the NBA so, players' so, psyche. <laughs> 
right? But anyway, a guy named yeah. John Le- Johnny at Johnny NBA, Johnny Ledesma. FIBA rules are perfect. Less time, less reviews, more physical. Start a game and get it over within two hours or less. If only the National Basketball Association could get a clue. Jared Dudley, reply. Couldn't agree more. NBA should adopt some of these rules. Players are manipulating these rules way too much. I tell refs all the time, don't call it even if it is officially a foul. Players will get mad, then adjust. Refs, listen to the league has to start from the top. Mm. He's bang on. He's bang on. Folks, we saw it in the last game uh, that everything bad about the the way with which the game, the style of play, with that clear, blatant foul on Booker. Now, if that's any other player player in the competition, anyone in any – that is a foul 99 times out of 100 for everyone else – but and for, because of the nature of the game, they know he's got five fouls in the theatre of the NBA. And I think I, – I agree with – I forget who it was. Jared Dudley. FIBA – there's a lot of things you, with the FIBA rules, but if you, if you brought jump balls back into FIBA rules – I think that the the way in which the unsportsmanlike foul, when it's officiated see, correctly, in, in international, it's way better than Australia. We struggle with it because they, they apply common sense. Exactly, they apply common exactly. sense in the field. They, yeah. Whereas they take a more black and white view here in Australia to try and make it easier, but yeah. it actually compl- it makes it harder, less of a spectacle mm. when you you can still apply some level of common sense. So that rule there to stop the breakaway. Because that's part of the game we love to see, and, and the NBA that, that once the ball hits the rim, let them tip it off. Yeah. You're going to see these hellacious dunks coming. You're going to there's other advantages to it. That the, the the if we could find the best bits of the fever, throw it into the NBA, Hybrid. and then you've got the, the I think the best game. But it all starts with the style of play and the judgments and the instructions the officials are uh, given on how you're going to officiate the game because some NBA games, oh, my glory, Phil, it is just ridiculous. Especially when the offensive players blatantly seeking contact. Like like Chris Paul's notorious of dribbling the ball up. There's a big running down the center trying to get back and he'll dribble in their line and then just fall over and you're yeah. like, don't reward that. If, it's, if you don't reward it once or twice and just turn over or offensive foul, it's going to stop happening. And FIBA, the one thing I like that they do – the leg kick out on three pointers. Yes. So in nineteen, Paddy Mills got. Well, I, I didn't know what happened because I didn't even know it was a rule. Yes. The ref came and like you know stuck one up Paddy one game and is like, "You do that again, I'm going to give you a a, fl- a fl- intentional uh, foul. Yeah. I'm actually going to give you intentional." And I'm like, "What's he talking about?" He goes, "Oh, my leg kick on the three. Yeah. Because you know you try to draw a foul, you kick your legs out. They yeah. actually give you an intentional in FIBA at times. Correct. Which is you know it stamps it out straight away. Paddy stopped. Paddy stopped yep. doing it. Had a bit of a yep. giggle and was like, "All right, yeah. he got me." But I think Jared Dudley's spot on, pro. What do you think? I really enjoy the FIBA game. I really enjoy the way they referee it. I, I enjoy the style of play. I think the NBA is too much. I think this is why a lot of the consumers hate the fucking NBA because they allow they allow NBA players one through fifteen to stand on referees to fucking embarrass them, and nobody has the fucking balls to tee them up and say, you know what, enough's enough. You're fucking up the product of the NBA because you bitch and bitch and bitch and bitch and complain and complain and complain. It's blatant, arm swinging, clapping their hands in the ref's face, and they don't have the nuts to fucking tee him up. And I think they got a set of precedent at that. That's first up. I like the fact that they allow some hand checking and some physicality at the you know at the point of drive. I, I do like that in FIBA where the NBA players are struggling with that because they're used to all those you know hand checks that they get in the NBA where you know you can't touch them at all going towards the basket. I really enjoy that. The thing about FIBA that I don't like 
is the same side drive travel but they let you cross step and do the same fucking thing going like for a righty if you you got to put the ball on the floor before you go yeah. i like the nba where you could step and dribble at the same time and have that advantage it's not even an advantage because like i was over in greece um last week doing a clinic and i did a clinic in italy like 10 years ago and i did you know i'm, I'm teaching going strong side and everybody's looking at me like i'm fucking you know <laughs> like i just made fun of their family like you know you know you just spent three hours teaching guys how to fucking travel i'm like give me a fucking break because i'm trying to explain i'm like look i get it but nobody can explain to me why it's a travel so i said you literally take the same step going cross step and you don't call that but yet you need the fucking ball on the floor going strong side. That's the only FIBA rule that I don't like. But I love how the FIBA games played. I, I, you know, I do enjoy it. I, you know, I do enjoy, enjoy watching the U.S. team sometime. Look at the referees like they ate a fucking snow cone too fast when they, they didn't get the call they used to get during the season. So I do enjoy that part of it. And I think they're going to really struggle with that, especially because they're not overflowing with talent on their roster where they don't get the LeBron James and they don't have all those, you know, juggernaut talent guys that are in the top 10. But they have those guys that are like Jason Tatum that are sprinkled down and, you know, Zach Levine and stuff. And I think guys like that who take a lot of bad shots and aren't as tough as some of those other guys, I think they're going to really struggle with that in the medal rounds with, with teams, especially like Australia. But, um, yeah, I think it's really interesting. I, I, I do agree with Dudley's comments. I think that they should, they should adopt some of the rules. And, but the number one thing is they got to stop this fucking letting these players show up the referees and stop and flail their arms and shit when they're getting fouled. I, I don't like that. I, I just on that, bro, I, I don't know it's, it's me, but I, over the last couple of seasons, the – the carry-on and what we would call flopping, like guys are going to the basket and throwing their head back and dislocating their L2 and L3 <laughs> and just really causing some problems. And then you see the replay and, I mean, they're down and you think their career is over. And oh, then man, yeah. they, they bounce back. Now, it seems to be because of their desire to, to get those calls and the particularly stars get it. seems to me the last couple of seasons that is becoming – uh, it's 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 rampant. It's and it's painful to watch uh, the the, yeah. the flopping and the oh I've just been grazed on the back of that bond in the back of the head and I'm going down like I've rolling around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, I mean I was I always told my teammates if I don't get up if I've gone down and I don't get up I'm I'm not getting up. No, I'm because exactly. I always tried even when I broke my leg in Cleveland I tried to get up and run on it just to see how bad it was. Yeah, and then realized it was broken <laughs> and almost went down again. But it's just too much. And then they get the whistle and then that we got to do the stoppage, the the medical timeout. And yeah. everyone's like, oh, we hope he's okay. They come back from the commercial and the guy just does a windmill, <laughs> and you're like, it's like, my observation. No, nah, you're correct. Are, are, you're they, correct. are they out of line or 100%. something? And. And we've tried to stop it internationally with the flop, you know, that if you're it's yeah. on a drive or if you exaggerate something, the officials will come in and give you a warning, it's a flop, and the next one's a T. Yeah, I know. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think they – I don't know what you do. You know, I don't know if you increase it with fines and suspensions after a certain amount of flops because, like, I don't like to see T.J. McConnell, like – 
brush fucking LeBron James. He looked like he got shot. Well, you know, sure. I had the same reaction when I I had the same reaction when I get to eat fucking broccoli. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know, I think I'm gonna die too if I have to eat anything green on my plate. But no. you know, it's the same thing. Like, you don't want to see that shit. You, you know, the flopping. Just- remember the play back in the day? I think um, it was Mellow. I think it was the Nuggets at the time, or maybe the Knicks. Might have been the Knicks. And um, he went down. He actually ended up being. I think he ended up having concussion. But he but he was flailing around a lot in the game. And he went down one possession around the free throw line. And the refs refused to stop the game. And there was two trips <laughs> yeah. up and back. And he's lying at the free throw line. And they're just like, nah, we're not blo- yeah, play on. That's what it might need to come yeah. to. Just like we're just going to play on, yeah. man. We're just going to play on. Yeah. And you know, or there's some penalty if the stretcher doesn't come out and you're out of the game. It's a technical foul if you're back on the court running around like normal possession later. I think it's like technicals. I think like, you know, like, like after your 12th or whatever, you get start getting suspended. I think they should give you like after your fifth, after your fifth one that you, that you, you know, that you flop, that they don't get the call and then they get the video. I think like after your fifth or your seventh or your 10th, whatever, you start missing games. And that's the only way it's going to clean up. Well, what happened to the flopping rule? No, remember the flopping rule the NBA, NBA introduced and it was, they were finding the shit out of people the first couple of years. Mm. That's kind of gone quiet kind of gone quiet the last couple of years yeah i mean no question about it lebron james they're gonna get a flopping call and they're, and they're gonna call that but you know you bet you know but if you're fucking if you're taco fall you're gonna get fucked you know like you're the best player you know how it is like if you know if ucla fucking cheats they're gonna eastern kentucky's gonna get fucking not put on probation it's the same thing you know it's crazy right. so that's what i'm saying all right so that leads us into the olympics Australia, the Australian boom yes. is great, great. Mm-hmm. Probably the best uh, pre-tournament games you could have. Yeah, a lot of momentum. Played really well against um, Argentina. Was a bit shaky early. I, I felt we were a bit too iso ball at mm. times. But the next game against the USA cleaned that up perfectly. Yep. They've gone a bit more to the high post now. A bit of variation from just your your, your pick and rolls and your drags. Three and zero. Then they go and beat Nigeria. Um, obviously, the COVID issue with Beal. Beal's now out of Team USA. There was a scare there for a while. I hear that the Boomers are all good. No one, no one's you know contracted it from Team USA. Fillings are coming in. The, the rumors are who are the fillings? There were rumors it was Robinson, Beal, uh, Robinson, and Harris. And now I've just read Javale McGee and someone else, bro. Yeah, it's going to be um, Johnson uh, from um, Ken. Uh, Kendall Johnson from San Antonio. He's already on the. He's, and, uh, he's already on the he's roster. Is with it them. Calvin Johnson? Isn't it, bro? Calvin Johnson. I'm sorry. Yes. And he's going. Those guys. He's in. And Javale McGee's. But he wasn't on the roster. He was on the uh, 15, yeah, yeah. He was in the 15. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. now, but now, but now, I hear that Holiday's going to come. Booker's going to come, and Middleton's going to come. Wow. They, so they, were, all, they were always in there, though. They, yeah, they were the just, NBA finals. Yeah, yeah that would be yeah. interesting. That, enjoy that championship. That would be huge for that. Yeah. Yeah, it'd yeah, still be interesting because you've got a lot of ball stoppers on that team regardless. That's what that's what is interesting about. And just the interesting that Pop's coaching a team with ball stoppers. Mm. <laughs> that's what I've found yeah. intriguing because, yeah. you know, pro, uh, Pop wants to move that thing. And, you know, you've got the yeah. best player in the world in yeah. KD. Where you, you know, this is the funny thing about KD is like you can run all this false action, but why not just dribble down and get it to him in that spot with 20 on the shot clock <laughs> instead, of, instead of 12. Correct. And, and it was interesting because in that game against Australia, and I'm watching USA and seeing the way they go about it, and they had a couple of sets. Now, they weren't highly complicated one, a little up screen for a, a, a cut down to the, to the post up, but it was almost like – Oh, here we go. We've got to run. It wasn't run, run or executed yeah. in, in any way how you would want it to resemble or how, you, how you're going to be effective in those cuts. And clearly it was unproductive. 
just coming down ISO ball one-on-one, yeah, you got some superstars and jacking up threes. But in the international game where that line's a little closer, it helps a lot of the uh, other teams because, you know, you're going to be more efficient. And uh, I think that, that when these guys are, are being defended – and the lanes aren't there because you, you if you're going you're going to be driving into traffic, albeit that it's elite driving into traffic. Mm. It it takes a, a different complexion. Not as many shots, less margin for error, and they got exposed. And I think in that game that they won, now whether it was the opponents or whether it was just because that there's a realization that it's not going to get done, the cutting action against Argentina in that game. And the, the ball movement and the way they were able to execute clearly was different to what it was against Australia and Nigeria. So hopefully, for their sake, they're learning that lesson that just coming down, and no matter how good you are, coming down and just jacking up a three and trying to shoot your way out of it, these other teams are really good defenders. They've got great skill themselves, and they strategically can come up with ways to, to nullify some of those uh, strengths of, of Team USA. So it's it's... It's no certainty, and regardless of what happens between now and the game one uh, of the Olympics, they uh, have shown that there's no certainty that, that all they need to do is show up. They they don't no, have no. that much talent. They have a lot uber no, elite talent. They have got more talent than anyone else in the competition, but not enough where they can just show up, roll the balls out, and wish you all the very best, and you're going to win. They they do have to uh, um, have some form of system and process in order to get those guys going rather than just hoping and randomly having it happen. That's a fun of FIBA. That's what's that's what's fun about it. You know, it's a it's a real team kind of, you know, a top scorer for a game might be 12 points at times in FIBA yeah. basketball. You know, like for the Australian boomers, you know, and I had this conversation with Jock is you're gonna have games where you where you where you, Correct. you got two and five and you're gonna have games where you got fifteen and five. That's just the way it is. It's 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 it ebbs Absolutely. and flows of the game. And I think that's the hardest thing to understand for a lot of the team USA guys, but the talent will get them close. It's just a matter of whether they can probably, you know, be okay with having a game where I'm not getting my touches. Mm. But when you have a guy like Dame Lillard who's used to shooting the ball forty times, coming across and shooting the half court bombs in yeah. fifteen seconds left on the shot clock. That's a harder shot for him to make because he's not getting 40 mm. of them now. He's only getting three or four opportunities. Well, well, well Milden, look at Milden in, in that game that we saw, game four, has 30 shots or thereabouts. Mm. He now goes into Team USA where he's having buddy. five shots and you know what? He might miss three or four of them and he's only had five shots and then he go, he picks up the paper, ah, Middleton sucks, he can't score, yeah, he yeah. Can't, doesn't translate and then he goes out and thinks he's got and he's not the man. So unless they accept what you're talking about, Bogues, Unless they understand that that is completely different role that you have to play, and you can't have twelve guys with that are used to getting those twenty to thirty shots, wanting those twenty to thirty shots, or else you're cooked. I think they're gonna have a hard time, you know, because they don't have a lot of time to figure this out, and they're and it's like that's how they're programmed to play. Like you know, like Gay said, like they don't have this great talent they've got they before bill got sent home with the with the covid stuff they had three franchise players they had him they you know that before booker and you know middleton came whatever they've had bill they had you know they have bill they have lillard and they have katie you know those are the three guys and then everyone else like look tatum's a bad shot taker we all know that levine bad shot taker you know not really like a pass guy not really a physical player that like you need to be at the wing position fiba to be effective you know grant you know jeremy grant sort of like you know 
He's a good player, but not really great. Draymond's not a non-offensive, non-shooter. It, it's it's a weird mix. Bam struggled as well. Yeah. He's struggled in these couple of games. He hasn't he hasn't looked. The thing the thing about what I see, if if if, if I put myself in the pop shoes, and you got those three guys coming in that's going to have almost zero practice sessions before your first game. So you're coming in, and, and what formula you need to do? There is no excuse, given the athleticism that they have. There is no excuse why they shouldn't be picking teams up ninety feet. That's what they used to do, though. And just just being yeah. just being the most annoying yeah. team and using their height, their speed on the defensive end to just try to blanket it. But what it requires is that these guys, you know what, the opponents, they're actually going to make a few passes. Yeah. They're actually going to run a few cuts. So you do have to get in a stance and fight over a screen on, 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 on an off-the-ball screen, and you're going to have to do it two or three times rather than just pointing, switch, and yeah. just you're going to have to just get down. Nut- and if you can convince them to do that – and they can play that just dogged defense. I don't think any of the teams that they're playing if can score enough to beat them, even if you had to do very little on the offensive end. But what we saw in those first couple of games was penetrate, no problems, get two feet in the paint, kick it out, and Nigeria knock down 23s. Yeah. That's the only way. That, now, if you take away that some of that, don't let them get in their paint, sit down, don't, you know, lock it, lock the ball up a little bit more, which they have the capabilities to do, then I can't see anyone beating them. But if they're just going to go through the mo- the motions, and yeah, they're going to try, but they're not going to be fiercely determined, then I think that it's anyone can beat them. Yeah, I, I agree. I just think they'll put, play their best basketball when, like, they got their backs against the wall and they know they're fucked. And they're like, you know what? We're we're desperate now. That's the only way it's gonna happen. I don't give a fuck how many. I don't give a fuck how many slogans fucking pop goes on the fucking on the chalkboard. There's nothing to fear but fear itself. All that bullshit. Like I don't give a fuck about the X's and O's. Like you, that ain't that ain't gonna happen. This ain't fucking 1986. Guys aren't fucking like that anymore. Like they're not gonna do that shit. They're gonna be fucking you know. They they're just into their own world. That's just the player that you have today. So the only way that they're going to fucking really start picking up 94 feet and doing the real things that they need to do is they, they're going to have to get their, you know, punched in the face and they're going to have to say, we're fucked right now because it's an embarrassment. You know, it's back to the fucking Stefan Marbury, Larry Brown days where they got their ass handed to them in Greece. Like that's, that start, like that's, it started coming back to that. Like, you know, they they need to they need to be desperate, and that's that's when you're going to start seeing these guys play. But like I said, they don't have these great great players. They got good players, great talent. Individually, they're the best team in the in, in the tournament. It's not even close. But these guys who play as a team, they they use the FIBA rules. They're tougher. They understand it's going to be a more physical game. They pass the ball. They they share the ball. They get in the paint. They make you know more efficient basketball plays. That I think that's 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 the thing. So. It'll be interesting. Yeah, but you even watch the Australian national team. We'll get to them shortly, but you just watch Della Vadova and the effort he brings in just picking up their yep. opposing point guard the whole game. Yes. And you make a very, very valid point, Drewy, where Team USA, when we used to go into those games, it was like they're going to try to push us out all of our stuff. Mm-hmm. They're going to make us catch the ball at half court. And if, God forbid, we turn the ball over two or three straight it's possessions, dunk, it's getting dunk. dunked on our head. That's what you knew. You didn't even worry about Correct. their offensive sets. You were yeah. like, just do not turn the ball over. You got to work to get a catch. And that these these last ca- few campaigns for Team USA, like you said, it's just 
They just don't have that tenacity defensively, and that was their bread and butter. The the Kobe Bryant days of of, of 08 and 2012, and even before that, you were always so scared about just turning it mm. over. They would generate 20 points from turnovers. Yep. They don't get that anymore, and now you're in the half-court grind against good half-court grind international Correct. teams. Trouble, but we'll move on from that. The Opals overnight yes. six hours ago, they just beat Team USA as well, Pro. I'm sorry about that, um, but <laughs> we got your females as well, so we're, we're dominating you over the last yeah. month, but um, <laughs> great performance by the Opals. Ezzy, Ezzy was huge. Just a great, well-balanced- 16 well- down, I think it was, at yeah. one stage, so they had to- It wasn't like it was handed to them, and the difference- and. It's 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 more complex than this, but they they couldn't knock down a three. The USA two of eighteen or mm-hmm. something, and they just could not knock down the three ball. Whereas Australia were pretty efficient at yep. both ends of the floor, and it was encouraging because they've had our number a lot. The the, the USA women. We've we've spoke it up, talked up like, hey, we can compete with them, but they've handed it to us quite regularly um, at Olympic campaigns, World Cup campaigns. So this was one that you will do the confidence of world of good to know that uh, despite some of the goings on, which Bogues, I'm sure you're keen to get into, despite some of the uh, the off court issues with uh, Lizzie, it seems like it, uh, something like that may have galvanised the girls and. It uh, may have had an impact for the positive. Yeah, I think it's huge for their psyche. Um, but the elephant in the room is is Liz Cambridge. Look, we uh, I understand she's at mental health issues. Um, mm. I think where the line is, I think she's had the mental health issues leading into camp. I'm not going to speak for her, but we wish her all the best. Mm. She's the one of the best players in the world, undoubtedly. So talking about this, people, you know, I have a I have a banterish back and mm. forth relationship with her. I can separate. You know, my dislike for her, I don't mm. hate her, don't like her. She'd probably say the same about me. I can separate that by saying she's a fantastic player. Mm. And that's a huge loss for us. And to galvanize that, the girls, and get that win mm. with an emotional win right now is good. But I think the long term, it's going to hurt our girls. You know, of course. She's, she's an MVP candidate in the WNBA. But the story around it is separating the mental health from the behaviors that you've had. And I don't think, you know, I'm not saying she's using it as an excuse or whatever, but- the rumors are pretty damning, and and two GB James Willis he he was on the radio yesterday and and basically said that Cambridge started breaking biosecurity rules with COVID, going out all night, ignoring team directions. But the one that broke the the camel's back, in my opinion, um, and most people, is the a closed door scrimmage with the Nigerian team, bit of a scuffle, punches thrown. That wasn't the issue. There was some in in James Willis's words abuse of the Nigerians on court with words that I wouldn't dare repeat. Mm. And, and they were words that you would not dare repeat. Mm. Um, and they were horrendous. Most people in the basketball community have probably heard by now. It's amazing that James Willis, 2GB Sydney rugby league reporter for the most part, has got this story. So that means it's <laughs> mm. it's everywhere. But that's, that's a tough one. You just can't excuse those kind of behaviors, mental health or not. Um, we want Liz to get well and, mm. and get the help she needs, but what it does for the team is is just not a good thing. And now, now you know they only took twelve, right? So they That's didn't right. take they didn't take any emergencies. So no. now, now you're trying to figure out shit. We got to we got to lobby the AOC mm. to get us squads were announced mm. a couple of weeks ago for that very reason. You got to announce all that early. Even the small things people don't think about. You got to fly someone from out of Australia now. Can they get out of Australia? Can they get into the country? Uniforms, yep. all that stuff. So I wish Lizzie the best. I hope it all works out, but I, I don't excuse the behavior that, you know, what most of us has heard. And I think, um, you know, it, it just hurts the girls long-term going into what should be a gold medal run, hopefully, or at least a silver mm. medal run. What well, is, and uh, I, I also, I know James Willis, and um, he called me up on this, and he might have been the one that I think told me about it 
um, before mm. it was before it became public and public. And I think that the thing about it that I and I don't know. I know Liz reasonably well. I knew her more when she was younger than I, more recently. But the thing that that sticks out to me is that uh, when you've got these mental health issues, that they can manifest themselves in a variety of different ways. And these in, in an Olympic campaign were clearly to a point where it was detrimental to the team, and one where I, I assume the team had to make the call. And well, that's uh, what I. I mean, the, the, it was. It, it's noted that the, the girls on the team. Yeah. had basically lobbied for Basketball Australia to move on from Lizzie. And this was all being discussed three or four days ago yep. where there's rumours that we're going to kick Liz, Lizzie off the mm. team and send her home and not have a play. And then yesterday, you know, that's where people have correlated, well, you know, yep. I'm sure there is mental health issues, but at the same time there are behaviours that have led to mm. them wanting to kick you off the team, mm. whereas now you've left because of mental issues. So people can- Well, know, I, think, I think the mental health issues is a reason for the- unsavory behavior i think it is to an extent but mm. there, there there is a line of there's a you know there's a lot of people there's a lot of people today that are mm. struggling with mental health Absolutely. issues. it doesn't mean you walk down the street and you abuse somebody no of course and and of i course. think that's what we can't excuse that's where Absolutely. i'm trying to draw Absolutely. a line no, between of course. the two you've got your mental yep. health issues we understand it yes. go and get your health and support but that doesn't excuse you now for making the comments that report mm. that i've heard off the record are absolutely no of course they're they're yeah, they're, they're, they're disgusting. You know, disgusting. So mm. that's that's where we got to draw the line, and it's a, it's a slippery slope because, we, you know, you don't want to be – I don't want to be in a position where I'm, I'm going after Lizzie and it's like I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm saying mental health's not a big issue. Mm. It's nothing of the sort, but there's there's two different situations here. There's a mental mm. health issue and then there's the behavioral issue, and we, we, you kind of have to separate them. Can they kind of coincide at times? Maybe, but I know a lot of people, and we all do with mental health issues, especially right now. I think we've all gone through mm. mental health issues. Yeah. You know, what are we in Melbourne? Lockdown number five, five. right now. Yeah. So I think everyone's gone through some stuff, but it, it, that never gives you an excuse to just go out there and make those kind of comments, in my opinion. Mm. No, it's a blow. It's a real blow for the Opals because, as you mentioned right from the start, she is one of the most influential players in the world right now with her size, her touch around the and basket. skill's gotten so much skill, better with her size. Passing. Yeah. The whole box and dice. She, she is an elite uh, basketball player, but um, as w you and I and all of us and pro, you in the same situation that – there are times when you've got this elite talent, but if it's not gelling, if it's not cohesive and you don't have the support and you're all on the same page, it, it can bring you undone as well. And clearly they've been able to bounce back without her and beat the number one ranked team in the world. Um, little Diana Taurasi, I don't know, she didn't play in the game. I saw <laughs> that. So um, Big out. <laughs> That's a pretty, huge, pretty big one the, yeah. arguably the greatest of all time. So, the, but um, I, I think that it is going to uh, across uh, a long tournament when you're up against uh, not just the United States, but just they're the gonna, grind. Yeah. The grind. You need as much talent as you can. So, it's it's unfortunate for her, but I think the most important thing you, you said, Bugs, is in these circumstances, is we wish her well. I mean, we 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 wanted to get better, and uh, hopefully that. She can get through this period, and she can come back better and bigger and stronger, and and uh, learn from it. Uh, because the last thing we need to do in uh, in in these times is uh, wish ill upon those that are ill. Yep, exactly right. Pro, you got anything on the women's basketball game and and Lizzie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with look, 
I, I I get what you guys are saying. You know, obviously you want to wish her well. You don't wish any, you know, a lot of people are going through mental health issues. Here's the, here's what I don't want to see. I don't want to see her take two weeks off and then she's back playing. She obviously has an issue. I think, I think if the WNBA really cared about her issue, she would take the rest of the year off and deal with her mental issues. Because to me, if she's not going to take the, the step of doing this for real, and, and, and really checking herself into a place or, you know, just sort of really trying to reach out and get help. That to me, it seems like it was an outburst. She made a mistake and she covered it up with this. Because if she's only going to take a week or two off and then she's back playing the WNBA and she's doing her thing, then it's like, wait a minute. You have this major issue that you've got to deal with. All right. And you're only going to take a week or two to sort of try to get better and then try to play again after you have this issue that like from what, the you know, from that four or five paragraph tweet she sent out, you know, that statement, she's really dealing with this big problem. So to me, if you really care about this player and this in this girl, that the league itself should say, you know what, you need to step away and you need to get yourself some help and you need to get back to center. And then we could start thinking about basketball. But to me, because I've heard what she said too, and it's it, it's pretty fucking despicable what she said. You know, it, it, it's it's a nightmare what she said. And it's despicable. And okay, if it's mental health, that's fine. I understand that to a certain degree. But the shit that she said is, to me, it's it, it, I can't I can't forgive it. It's pretty bad. And it's going to get out there eventually. Will, let's be honest. It will get out. And it's, so if, if this is a big problem and a real problem, which I, I assume it is, if the WNBA really needs to step in and say, you know what, you're not well to play right now. We, need, we care about you as a person more than we care about you as a basketball player. So you need to get your help. Because to say that stuff to those girls, it, it, it breaks my heart that, that, that those words were said. At least that's what, if that's true for what I've heard, that's despicable. So if is it a mental health issue that you really care about that you want to get help or you or you really messed up and this is going to destroy you as a player and a person for when it gets out and you want to cover it up. So if she takes a week off, then I'm leaning towards that. If she takes three months off and really gets help, then I'm like, you know what? She took she, she put her best foot forward and she's really attacking this issue. That's what I think. That's a, I mean, it's a fair point. It's a very fair point. Mm. I think we, we all wish her well. We'll watch the space and see how it goes, but that's a very, very valid point. You know, if mm. it's just a, a week off thing and, you know, you're playing the, the, the way Bugs, the way she described it in her statement is that there was the concern when she doesn't have the support around her. So the bubble, I, I, the bubble. I guess, yeah. So I guess the, the assumption is if she's um, in the WNBA, perhaps – the time off is less because she does have those the support people around her. I, mm. I, I, but in principle, I think you're right, pro. I think they, the the league and others sometimes you got to protect someone from themselves. Yeah, and just step in and say, hey, you need to get yourself right, and um, and then we welcome you back with open arms. And once you you've like any illness or injury or whatever it may be, let's fix it. Yeah, like Kevin Love, like Kevin, when he went through that stuff, he took a lot of time off, right? Yeah. Folks, yeah, right? Yeah, when yeah, he had- yeah. And he was still going through it. I think while he was playing too, he was still still getting, um, you know, the daily help and whatnot that he needed. But yeah, you just look, get well, Lizzie. And, yeah. You know, once you're back, 
join the team, follow the rules like everyone else, and, and there won't be any more problems. So that's the best case. But look, we're on to what we brought the great man himself here oh, for. We're going to go through our pool predictions. We're yeah. going to go through the Olympics. Of course, we love the banter in between the Olympic yes. predictions and, and hearing a lot of F-bombs from Pro. <laughs> part of the show here at, Ro at Rogue Bogues. But Pro will mess up almost every one of these international names unless it's John Smith. He'll yeah. have no idea how to pronounce it. Hey, I'm them. right with him. I'm not great. You, with, your, <laughs> with your foreign background, you, I tell you, People in Europe, maybe because they're dealing with it a lot more often, but uh, they are exceptional at being able to hit the pronounce the names. The pronounce the names but I might struggle with a oh, few though. Yeah, the Nigerian team poses a few a, a few threats, so I got to get those pronunciations right. <laughs> but of course, hey, 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 yeah, don't fuck with that Nigerian team. We don't need any Stephen A. Smith bullshit up in here, right? Yeah, they've so had, they've had a rough week. <laughs> let's keep it set. Um, but <laughs> of course, myself, myself, and Andrew Gaze will be mm. covering, and John Casey, who's yes. not here, but Andrew Gaze will be covering the. Um, the Olympics for Channel 7 here in Australia. So make sure you tune into that and we'll give our – I'll try to get Gazy off the fence on a lot of topics <laughs> live on, on Channel 7. Um, but pool predictions, let's go Let's go to Group A. What I've kind of done is you guys chime in. I've, I've yeah. gone through all the teams and I've gone through, you know, the key player for each team in my opinion. We'll start with the Team USA. For me, it's, it's Kevin Durant. I think when everything bogs down for them, he's going to be the guy they're throwing the ball to and getting the hell out of the way, especially the way they play. It's going to become very ISO-laden, late in shot clocks. and Yeah. He needs to have a you know twenty to thirty point tournament for them to to win that gold medal, fellas. No, I agree. He's going to be their their key man. He's going to be the one that in those clutch moments they're going to be going to him and trying to create something for him. And uh, I, I if they've got enough that he if he doesn't play well, they've got enough talent that they're still got a very good chance of still succeeding but um but he's going to be the uh, the focal point as you set your roles and have your priorities no matter how much talent you 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 have you still have to do that and he's going to be um one of the priorities for the USA team no doubt bro i got to say KD in in a very close second the way he's playing if he doesn't you know knock on wood if he if if he doesn't get hurt throughout the playoffs is Booker. I think Booker because of the, his ability to, you know, get under people, he could put the ball on the floor, he can handle it and pick and rolls, he can make shots. Um he's just playing at such a high level right now, you know, in the playoffs. But I, I, I agree with you. K D is their number one option because Booker hasn't been there. But I think that Booker could be a big asset for them because of the fact that he could he could take you on the ball, off the ball, you know, and, and his offense is at an all-time high right now. So, But I do agree with you. I think KD is the guy. All right. Moving on to France. Mm. So for me, they have a lot of good NBA players, obviously Gobert. But for me, the guy that fires up for them that is huge for them is Evan Fournier. He is, you know, a guy that when we played him yep. was, was integral to what they did. He's a primary ball handler for him. So he's playing a lot of point guard for him, pick and roll. Um, he gets them into their stuff, and he's a fiery bastard. I, I like that about him. I've got into it with him a few times, and I like that. I mean, he, he's happy to get into it with you, um, but I think I think Fournier is key to them, uh, Drewy. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, with Rudy, he's he's a presence, and uh, the way in which that he's going to protect the rim and what he does on the defensive end is is, is huge. But I've got a list of their their team and the exact. The exact Go for it, mate. Twelve. Uh, no, I'm just, but I'm just not sure exactly how it's going to uh, how it's going to pan out. Yeah. But um, but you're right, Fournier at the World Cup. I got to call a lot of his his games, and uh, he was huge offensively. When in doubt, and you always get to those times when, and the European teams very system orientated. The way in which that they execute in the half court, they're elite, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but things will break down, and if you needed a basket. They were, they were playing through him. So I, again, I have to uh, I have to agree with you in, 
with uh, with what you, France and and if they're going to be successful, they've got a stacked team, a lot of NBA players. But uh, he's gonna he's gonna have to be huge. Pro, what do you know about France besides the croissants? <laughs> oh, fucking croissants are unbelievable. But no, I, I'm gonna go. Um, I'm, because I actually like Fournier, I'm not going to pick him, you know, as again, my picking skills, the God forbid, the guy's going to have like, you know, Cheerios across the board with zeros. I'm going to go with Nando DiCarlo, uh, the play yeah. for Fenerbahce, play in the NBA. I, I really like this kid. I, lo- I liked him when he played in the NBA. He could really score. He can shoot. He can handle the ball a little bit. Uh, played at Fenerbahce in Turkey last year. I, I think that he, you know, I, I really like Fournier. Don't get me wrong. He's a hell of a player. But DiCarlo's De- got no fucking conscience at all. He wouldn't, pa- he wouldn't pass to a homeless person on the street if they can give him fucking mail money. So I think that this kid could really take over a game. He could score. He's tough. Um, he's been all over the world right now playing uh, since he left the NBA a few years back. I, I think he's a very good player. Well, you know, though, at the, at the World Cup, he had a, a slower start to the tournament. And I think in some of those games, I don't even know if they started him. They yeah, might have. He came off the bench. He, he, they yeah. brought him off the bench. So, uh, but you're right. He's a star and uh, he's been huge in Europe uh, as well. But um, Jesus Christ, Gaze, you didn't make a fucking stop in 25 years of playing <laughs> and you're going to fucking stop me when I fucking make a prediction? Jesus <laughs> Christ. No, no, I'm just saying that the recent history and his role in the team, but I'm with you. He's, yeah. he's a star and he, he does step up but um i mean rudy i mean like i said it's hard to with what rudy's game all truth here kids well we going over the play we going over the playoffs um and we we had like one impact player that's not not a star on each team i picked a guy for the memphis grizzlies that didn't play a fucking minute in the playoffs (laughs) so believe me (laughs) you're doing me a fucking favor i appreciate it (laughs) All right, so Iran. This was a hard team to even get a, a roster on, really. Yeah. I think they're making up the numbers, if we can say that. Um, the only guy I really know that is a bucket is Hamed Haddad. He yes, played in the, the NBA, but he's 36. That's so all right. I, he still can shoot it. I think he's the guy for them. They he, He'll get 80% of their touches. Yeah. Um, but he's a pretty talented kid. When we played him, they came and toured Australia here about 10 years ago, went out and watched, and he's a bucket down there, and he's he's their, he's their, their best player, clearly, so I think I think it's pretty easy to assume that he'd be the number one guy. Yeah, he there. is. The other guys I don't know a whole lot about. There is another guy on there that shoots it real well. There are other guy, him and this other guy, but right now I'm looking at their names, and I don't even know which one it is, so I can't. Throw <laughs> enlighten us with your pick from Iran. I can't wait for this. No, no hey, fuck, hey, fuck that. Uh, yo, I'm... No, 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 I'm good. Let's go with Haddadi. I'm not going to get myself in fucking trouble. So let's go with Haddadi. The last one we have, pretty easy one as well, Czech Republic. Look, they have a lot of guys that are kind of similar skill sets. They they, they do play a lot of small ball. When we played in the World Cup, they weren't a talented team, but they played really well together. A lot of guys that are like 6'7", shooters, can dribble, but Thomas Sadoransky is the guy for them. He's a star. My favorite player in the World Cup was him. Really? He was was in the pool. Look at this guy. No, I, he, I commentated in the pool that he that he had, so I saw a lot of him. Yep. And the way he went about it, um, he didn't shoot at a real elite clip, but would do everything and was all over, constantly on the move, um, elite at both ends of the floor. And just the joy in which he played and the way he interacted with his teammates, he's the absolute star of the team, but he didn't behave with that – Mm. You know, he behaved in a way at which that he was getting just involved getting and, everyone yeah. involved and really encouraged. He is a superstar, and I love the way he goes about it. Bro, 
Gage, that is that because you played against his great 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 grandfather or what? In twenty six hundred BC, Greece. Okay, no, but I like Jan Vesely a little bit, but he's just he's never really performed for me. Consistent, yeah. Yeah, I like Sedaransky. I appreciate. I agree with you. He's very, you know, he's very smart. He's good with the ball. He's got good vision. If they're gonna go anywhere in that pool, it's you know he's gonna be the guy taking them there. But I agree with you. Uh, they got a couple of decent players, Blake Schwieb, who played in the United States in college. I think uh, Loyola Chicago, but not really any much. I think Sadoransky is going to be the guy that sort of takes him. I agree with you guys. All right, give me a pool prediction, so I'm going to go through mine. I think this whole pool comes down to one game, Czech mm. Republic versus France. I think that game is going to determine second, um, in my opinion. Yeah. I've hey, got, Fred, don't go to sleep on France beating not, the I'm USA. Yeah, I don't know. Early on? No, I'm still going USA 1, France 2, Czech Republic 3, Iran 4. What do you got, Drew? No, I've got it the same. But oh, no, yeah. I've got the same. But I, I think that that would be a nervous game for Team USA to, to up against They've France. they got the length and size. they got Absolutely. the athleticism. Yeah. And, and they're not going to be overawed by the, the, the names on, on the other because they're playing against them day in, day out, and they've got enough skill. To, so, um, but I still Well, they think pushed them at the World Cup too, didn't they? They did. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, yep. and France have, have – no, pushed them. Did they beat them? They beat them, maybe. Yeah. It might even be right, yeah. Yeah, they beat them. So, they knocked so them out, I think. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. – um, they've got a lot, a lot of talent, and they would be nervous about this one, but uh, I think USA will get them. But I'm not as confident as you are in that, but, yeah, that's the way I'd predict it. But I think everyone would. That's probably the easiest pool to pick. I agree. Pro, same. You're not going to go with Kareem Abdul Haddadi, you know, trying to you know get to the medal round. Nah, not this no, time. No, I'm going to go. No, I'm going to go with USA, France, and and Czech Republic. That's what I'm going to go with. And, and Iran, you know, yeah, that's what I got. Group B. This is Australia's mm. Australia's group. We've got Australia, Nigeria, Germany, Italy. Italy and Germany were the qualifiers. Actually, surprising that they both qualified out of their pools, Serbia and Croatian Croatia yes. pools. We'll start with. Um, Maybe we'll just go deep dive on Australia later on mm-hmm. um, after the, after we do the pools. But Nigeria, um, looking at their roster, they've got a pretty balanced roster, um, but I have young fella, G- Gabe Vincent, I think, is the guy for them. Well, when he's playing for Nigeria, he goes by a different, different. name. But, Does um, he? Gabe, yeah, it's Nwan. I, I, I'm not even going to try and say it, but – but yeah, Gabe Vincent, it is. Gabe Vincent, it is for us for the time. But yeah, being. primary ball handler for him. Yeah. scorer, athletic. He's kind of the starting end for them offensively. So I think he'll be he'll be the player look out for Nigeria for me, Drew. Well, you're right, and you looked at that game against the USA, and, and he was huge. The funny thing about that game is when you looked at the stats, they played 15 guys. It yeah. was it was like they was just. What did you sp- hear about their training camp? Uh, that forty something yeah, guys. We show talked up. about it last pod. They had f- almost fifty players at a camp. Yeah. Well, like, how do you even? That's crazy. <laughs> I know. No, but- I know. I'm with. I'm with you. But um, the other one that that you think and you, you just look at the numbers and he's been around a little bit and you'd be uh, aware of a veteran guy is Udo. Is it? Epe. Yeah. Yep. Was he? Was with Joey? Yeah, Utah. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So I think that yeah. he he's good. But um, and they've got a lot of NBA guys. Uh, Akogi. Yeah, Am I Kobe, saying that right? Yeah, Okafor's yep. in there as well. Yep. Okafor, yeah. who's been around. Now, how is he? 
He Is played it? for the USA in the juniors. Did he really? Yeah. I'm looking at this saying, how does he qualify? Actually, this is no, a gripe I, I have about FIBA. Yeah. This is one that I forgot to bring up. Is like, I get the the, the one generation descent, like your parents migrated or yep. whatever, but like there's the, they're taking the piss now at some point. <laughs> like there, there's there's like third, fourth generations. I might have an iota well, of this. He, I'm not saying the Nigerian team, but there's countries out there where you're like, mate, seriously. <laughs> That's a stretch. Yeah, it's a bit of a stretch. It's a bit of a stretch. He did go to high school in the United States. He went to high school in Chicago. So he w- he was there. So I don't you know if they fucked this thing up with him. It's on the Nigerian side as far as like <laughs> he did play. I don't know. No, like what I'm saying is like he, yeah, yeah, I gotcha. He did. I think he was born in the United States and he played high school, went to college, obviously. And he was a he was un- he was like he was really good. And then just like Al Jefferson and Roy Hibbert, the game just changed overnight. And they stopped going and give these guys that can't shoot from the outside that are post up scorers and they can only score on the block and they can't step out and they can't guard anybody they can't switch so yeah that's that's sort of what happened to him but um, that's how, and but he was a big time high school player big time high school player in the United States and you know big time college player who are you picking from this team who's your, who's your player to watch I'm gonna go with your guy you know he he's a tough player he's played well. You know, I, th- I think he's got a lot of – he's playing with a lot of confidence. I'm going to go with him uh, for sure. The guy Gabe. Okay. Germany. Germany for me. Um, Moritz Wagner, pretty obvious, I think. It but is. He's but a bucket for him and he's – I mean, if he's not scoring for him. You- Here's the thing though. In the World Cup in 2019, he didn't make the team. <laughs> they did not – he went to camp, he went through the – and they didn't pick him. So he's one that's come out. He led him in scoring in in the qualifying, and uh, he's a you know he's a very good one. But the other one that if I'm saying, and you take for granted, he's going to have to be really good for them to be competitive. But the other one is, uh, and and again, apologies for the pronunciation here, mm-hmm. but um, Moto Low. Now he's a guard, and he's a, he's a, he's. He's played in Europe and he wins wherever he goes. He's, he's played in three different German teams that have gone on to win German titles. So he's he's a common denominator. Now, he might have just been in the right place at the right yeah. time, but he's a common denominator in that and he's – He's he's a a point guard leader. He runs the team, and he and he was pretty solid in the World Cup. And they had a poor World Cup. They should have qualified. Yeah, really bad. And they had had Schroeder and a pretty loaded team. And Schroeder, you know, he was just dominating the ball. But but this guy here without Schroeder, I think that he he's a better fit. And I think that he's going to be huge for them. If if well, he has to be huge for them if they're going to be competitive. Bro. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Wagner. Is Paul Zipser playing for them, folks? Yes, he is. Yeah, I'm always a huge Paul Zipser fan, but I, I don't think he'll make the impact that Wagner will. Yeah, I think Wagner because he can make shots. Zipser was in 2019. I know that. Yeah, he was. He is was. he in this team or not? I don't have the the team in front of me. In front of me, but Jonas Voitman is the other one that was that was pretty good in 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 2019. He's a, the big fella, seven yeah, yeah, footer. Yeah, yep. Uh, he's been around a little bit and. Um, you know, he, he plays for Seska, I think it is. Yeah. I'm going off. That's I've a hard thing with some of these teams because some of these teams have guys that are even hard to scout, you know. Like, Correct. And, you know, getting filmed from, you know, a German league game or this, yeah. you know, so it poses some threats for Australia. You know what I'm shocked at? You can't go to one place to get oh, rostered in the, the fucking Olympics. It's right a pain now. in the ass. Yeah. yeah, I know it is. Yeah. To try and FIBA, do the research. your game. Get, get, a, get a website together where we can check rosters properly and yeah. at least have a page where you're the, the net. They announced the 12. Hey, by the way, Japan, how many fucking yen do I have to pay for you guys to put fucking rosters up on your website? I mean, <laughs> you know, it's unbelievable. 
So I know this is going to be just, nobody in the fucking stands. They're just trying to get an Olympic Games up and running. They've got a lot they're of stresses over there. They've got a few issues they've got to deal with. Final team, final team in, this, in this pool, group in, in Group B, Italy. Yeah. Uh, for me, Nico Mannion. Oh, uh, Golden State, yeah. He had a really good, really good leading lead tournament for them. That was surprising. They beat Serbia in Serbia, which is never hard to do to get out of their qualifiers. He was a bucket for them. He's been under the tutelage of one of the greats in Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, so hasn't played a whole lot the last season. Got spot minutes when they were all healthy, so I think he's got to wants to prove himself yeah. that he can play and lead a team, and I, I think he's their guy. Well, you, Gallinari comes in, and uh, he, he wasn't there for the qualifiers, but they've picked him, and with his NBA experience and him, and what he's done with the Italian team in the past, he's going to be a focal point. The other one, and again, this is a guy I don't know a lot about, but I'm only looking just purely at the numbers, and I watched one of their games in in the qualifiers. Is is this uh, Simone? Simonga? Yeah, Simone Fonticcio. Is that right, bro? Yeah. Fonticcio. I can make fun of him because he's my own people. It sounds like you could order him with a good bolognese sauce because it sounds like a pasta dish. Fonticcio. He averaged like 18, right? We averaged 20, averaged like almost 18, 20 right? in the qualifying and had 21 against Serbia yeah. in that final, which got him over the line. Again, I've only seen him play, but he looks really good. Big guy, mobile. Makes threes. He can shoot the three ball. Doesn't take a lot of them, but but can shoot them. And uh, yeah, he, he was, in fact, I've, I've got the... He was over 57 and four in three games. He was seven to 14, seven to 13 from the three point line. So he can shoot the three. So from what I saw of him in this one game, so it's a very, very small. So sample. who's your guy, Drew? You got Gallo, you got the. No, I'm going the with Fontencio. Okay. Now, apologies if I said that wrong, though. I've said his name wrong. Pro? Oh, yeah. I'm definitely going to go with Fontencio because, you know. I mean, sounds he's like got food. more vowels in this fucking name <laughs> than I do. Yeah, it sounds like food. I, I, I like a, I like Simone Fontecchio with a nice a bolognese and, um, you know, a nice bolognese sauce. So, yeah, now I'm going to go with Fontecchio with a side of pasta. All right, the big team in this group, Australia. Yep. So, really good lead up. They just seem primed to finally get their medal, in my yep. opinion. I think we're we're in a really good stead mentally, physically. I think the Baines injury, from what I hear, is all good, a bit of a – a knee bang with him, but he's all good now. But just a really well-balanced roster. I think the obvious one for us, for the guy on this team, is Paddy. You know, mm-hmm. I think, you know, we start and end with him scoring. We need him to be that scoring. But I think Matisse Thibault is going to be very, very important for us. Um, he's coming off the bench at the moment. Does he now start? Who knows? But he's coming into the lineup early. He's a nuisance defensively. Shooting the shit out of the three, which I, I didn't think he'd shoot no. it that well. Shooting it very, very well. Maybe that FIBA line yeah. is, is better suited to his needs. But I'm going to say he's – I think we know what Paddy's going to bring, but I think Matisse is that X factor. We haven't had an athletic defensive wing like that in a number of years. Um, sorry, Joe Ingles. Hmm. But I think he's the guy on that team that, that's going to be the X factor. Well, and I agree. I, I think that um, – and I have to, got to slap myself because during the season when there was talk about do you take Bryce Cotton or Matisse Thibel? And I was looking at our roster and I'm thinking, you know, we need to score. Unsure about Delavadova, how much he can deliver. He can lead us, but how many points he can get and how many, you know, how are we going to get our 80, 90 points? How are we going to do it? And I was looking at it and thinking, you know, I think I'd lean more towards Bryce. But now seeing mm. Matisse Thibault play and what he brings to the team, 
uh, if I had my time over again, I would have and said. And Chris Goulding. And Chris Goulding. He seven can, for seven Extraordinary. Nigeria. Now, he's not going to do that night no, in, but still, night out. I think that's a scoring punch. I mean, Bryce is better off the dribble maybe, but Chris is still a pretty good scorer Correct. off the bench. Correct. And and I think that um, if I'm going for an X Factor, and this is taken for granted the greatness of Paddy Mills because he is going to be our leader and he's a superstar. But if you look at performances in the past, Joe Ingalls is a superstar for Australia and does all the right things and plays at an exceptionally high level. But if you go back over his Olympic campaign and the World Cup campaign, he has not shot the ball like we know Joe Ingalls can shoot. Not Utah Jazz Joe, yeah. Not Utah at, from shooting. Now, he does other things. In fact, in 2019, if my memory serves me correct, and you'd know better than this, Bogues, I actually think he led the team in boards. I think he was your leading rebounder and is right up there with assists and playmaking and all those things. So he yeah, was- triple-double one game, I think. Yeah. Or, or fringe, fringe triple-double. No, I think he I might have nine assists. Yeah, he, he- Might have been against Nigeria, actually. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But he- So I'm not- This is not a slide on him- but if he can shoot the ball like he does with the Utah Jazz for the Boomers, that is going to be a huge, huge and That's X-factor. a valid point because even even I think it was the USA game, maybe the Argentina game, he was not shooting the ball as well and he finally hit one and he kind there of- There was like he, a relief. He kind of gave yes. the hands praying to God uh, yes. uh, with his hands. And I think it is in his head a little bit. I yeah. think he's aware that- he hasn't played as well as he's liked for the national team. And he'll be the first probably to tell you that yeah. historically, well, he's right? He's played well. I don't know. No, but I think, yeah. he, I think he's bars higher. I think yeah. not, he hasn't played poorly. No. But I think the consistency for him and what he can do, he can always feels like he can do more. And I think that's irked him a little bit. So I think he's going to have a good tournament based on, I think he's coming in like, yeah. I'm going to have a good tournament. But you don't obviously want him to overthink it as well, right? No. You know, so I, I agree with you there. Yeah, that, 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 that'd be my pick this if he's going to say, take for granted that Paddy's going to be Paddy. Yeah. And everyone, if Joe can then just shoot like he does, does everything he still does, but just knock down a few extra ones, that is going to be massive. Pro? Yeah, I'm not going to jerk off Joe. You know why? The guy's got more zeros in his fucking bank account than a fucking box of Cheerios. So, you know what? He's got his shit. <laughs> I'm going to go with a young fella named Chuck Lawndale. Lawndale. Chuck Lawn. No, Lawndale. Oh, All right. Wow. Yeah, I'm saying that's oh, right, his okay. coming. Yeah, that's his coming out party. This kid is gonna fucking. He's gonna moonwalk his way into an NBA contract by fucking having a a good fucking performance. No, seriously, I think he he'll be good. Now look, Patty. We know what Patty's gonna do, and Patty's a very important part of the team because he could score so many ways. He could disrupt the game. No question about it. But I do like Lawndale. No one's talking about him. I fucking I didn't even have him on the team um, two months ago. But I'm gonna <laughs> Dude, go with Lawndale. He cut right? it for uh, Magne. <laughs> oh no, no, that's that was a poor decision. I had no idea. He had no Jeez, idea. I had no there. fucking idea. And you, you know what? I'm about 500 IQ points away from being a fucking moron. And I can't even fuck. I, I didn't even check the fucking roster from the last Olympics or any other competition, knowing that he, you know, he was on the fucking team already. And I didn't have my. I, I watched some fucking like black and white fucking YouTube clip from fucking four years ago, and I'm like, ah, eh. you know. And then I was getting a load of shit from Bogues and the rest of the fucking Australian community. You know, like a, you know, like a. It's a so, high, it's a high price production here, Drew. Yeah, it's a very high price production. We do our research. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, but that's a that it's a huge it's a good call though. I like the call because he is going to need to be special because you know without Bogues there, we've lost a lot in that position. And it was it was interesting against the United States down the stretch. They went with they were going with Nick Kay 
And now, admittedly, post, yeah. Baines, he was, you know, he was Bank hurt. It worked. Look, but, looked good. But, it, yeah, Nick Kay, uh, he looked really good and comfortable out there. He, he, he's Aesthetically, he's not going to wow you, but effectiveness, he he was really good as well. Yeah, Jock's good too, like from the high post. He could post up. He's good with hooks. He could open you up and, and go to the basket. I think there are times where he could be more aggressive offensively, but then again, he could just sit back and pass from the high post, play defense, rebound, screen. He's not going to do, he's not going to dominate the game, but he can make an impact because he is physical. He's got balls. He can screen, rebound, and do those little things. And then shot it almost at 40% from three. Yeah, he can stretch. Yeah, he could be okay. All right, Drew, I'm putting you on the spot. Give me your group. <laughs> call, call your group. Put you on, put you on the, under the pump. This is the hardest group to pick, in it my is. opinion. I, I think oh, the, the next Just, one's a little tough both, as well. I think both, yeah. But Nigeria is the one that's really surprises. It's going to be a genuine battle here. But I'm going Australia, Italy, Germany, Nigeria. All right, pro. That's what I'm going. I'm going Australia with a gold medal. Wow. But I'm going to go oh, wow. Australia. Call it early, pro. Yeah, put I'm it out gonna, there. Okay. Hey, I've been I've been called Kim John Yoon in my fucking in my group chat, by the way, by taking saying that Australia is going to beat the United States. But I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Gay said. I'm going to go Australia, Italy. I'm representing my people, and then Germany and Nigeria. That's where I'm going to go with. But Australia, I'm going to go with them with the gold medal. It's a tough one. I think. Mm. I, I think Australia is a clear number one. I'm going to go Australia. Italy, Nigeria, Germany. I'm putting Germany last. I'm just going to change it up a and little bit. And that's not – that is not a bad call. I was actually thinking gonna, that, but I didn't have the courage to go. I think Nigeria go. will steal a win. I, 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 steal a win. I, I, got, I got spooked by them when they lost by 40 or something or 50 to Australia. I thought, oh, well, maybe that other stuff was um, – Without nine of their guys, I think Paul – I think fucking Paul Hogan was in their lineup. <laughs> that, well, that's true too. We didn't have everyone, but, but – uh, but, no, Nigeria going. That is going to be a scary game for Australia. First up, it is. And and, and I go back to when this is a long time ago, but back in two thousand, <laughs> we played Italy in Italy in a um, pre-Olympic game and lost by thirty-eight forty. Oh wow! They they I mean they absolutely destroyed us. And then two weeks later in the Olympics, we played them to get through to in the quarterfinal game mm. and beat them. We beat them. Yeah. So it, it's. Don't get conned by that the pre, one pre, result. The yeah, tournament games are a bit different. Yeah. How did it feel to play in front of Christopher Columbus and Mussolini? <laughs> did, did he, were they good guys? Or, <laughs> no, know, were they decent? They were great. They were great. All right. Let's wrap it up with Group C. So we've got Argentina, Japan, Spain, Slovenia. Another really tough group um, as uh, Japan being the hosts. Probably got screwed the most out of anyone yeah, with, their, with their group. We'll start with Argentina. Yep. They're still a very well-balanced team. Um, saw them obviously firsthanded. They battled Australia to the wire. They had a chance they to did. win that game. Paddy made a, a tough shot on the buzzer. Luis Scola, 41 years Incredible. old. He is you. He is no, Argentina. He, is, he just doesn't age and he's yeah. just like, he's just so highly skilled and he's, when I watch him play, he's one of those guys, he's kind of deli, K-like in a way where He's not overly athletic. He's not no. overly physical, but his legs just keep moving. Yep. Just, he's one of those little kids that just their legs just keep running and running and running. Yep. And unbelievable. Credit to him. I thought he would have been done a long time ago. He's the exact for me on that team. For him to do anything, he needs to have another tournament like he did in 2019, Drew. Where he was he was phenomenal. And then I thought, well, can he keep going? Yeah, yeah but he, he does. He just keeps on keeping on, gets a little grayer. He doesn't run up and down the floor as much as he used to, but you can't underestimate experience and the way he uses his body is, is great, but Compazzo, 
for me is that yeah, yeah, he's the way in which he distributes the ball, gets everyone involved. Um, this is a talented team, but as not they they play well because of their history and their passion and their emotion for their uh, for, for play to play for their country. It's not as talented as it has been in the past. But um, they are a handful, and but Campazzo has to be the director. He's got to get him going for them to be able to score enough. Bro? Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for the poor prick that he's not tall enough to go on Space Mountain in Disney World, <laughs> but I'm going to go with fucking Campazzo. And then another guy to look out for is a guy we had in Dallas that a few years ago, uh, Nicholas Persino, who's Zico, not a, a yeah. great player, but yeah, he's a very good, skilled kid that can shoot the ball, it can drive it. But uh, Campazzo, to me, is like a J.J. Barea you know, type of player. He he could just controls the game. He's physical. He gets to the basket. You know, he directs things. You know, the, the poor, like like I said, the poor bastard's about three foot seven, but he he's not bad, man. He, yeah, but he's, he's taller than bad. J.J. Still, you know, <laughs> he's still taller than J.J. Yeah, but the, the cool thing is at halftime, they'll shoot him out of a fucking cannon for the halftime show, but you know they'll, they'll come back in the second half and score 20 on you. Some would say Brasino would still be in the league if the development at Dallas was any fucking good. <laughs> well, the problem is, you know, they, sometimes you worry about the players not passing physicals. I couldn't pass a physical for six fucking years. So, yeah, yeah no, no question about it. I would have fired me a long time ago. <laughs> All right, next team, Japan. I mean – Hachimura is yeah. he's he's the guy for that team. Yeah, um, Hachimura. I think he's de- definitely you know going to be they're, they're going to be okay though. They're not going to. I don't think they're going to be completely blown out. I think they got an okay balanced roster. The kid from United, what's his name? Uh, uh yeah, yeah. Uh, um, oh, jeez, how, draw, uh, yeah, Uday, Uday, Baba. Uday Baba, really he's, good. He's solid. Yeah, he's, he's really good. Paint pressure, but yeah, Hachimura for me on, on that team to, to look out for. But I don't, I don't see Japan making any noise in this group. No, he, he's a star. And, and uh, when they had that group together, and it wasn't our best Boomers team, but we went to Japan in a game. But we still Delhi was playing, and Thon Maker was yeah, in that game, us. and they came in, they rolled us, they rolled us. So they can, they can get it going. But um, no, nah, this is a, a really tough pull for him and. Hachimura needs to be – you need about four Hachimuras in order for them, mm. I think, to, to get through in this this pool. But And and the problem they've got is they don't even have that phone, the the uh, the fan support at games. So it's, <laughs> it's sort of like a neutral venue <laughs> for Maybe them. Maybe just give three Japanese officials <laughs> as, a, as a sorry. Well, well that's it. So it's um, it's going to be tough for them. But, but yeah, he's, he's their hope. They're going to have all those cardboard cutouts with real mean looks in their faces for the visiting <laughs> team. So that, that's going to be really intimidating. Who you got, Pro? Hachimura. Hachimura, and they're going to put the white flag up after the second fucking game. They got zero chance of getting <laughs> to the medal round. I got They got zero fucking chance. Okay. They're going to call prime ministers in. They're going to say, we, su- we surrender. There's no fucking chance we could, we could compete in this. Not yeah. in this pool. You know, Spain's good. Slovenia's not bad. You know, Argentina's good. I just don't I, – I can't see them getting into that top three. Um, there, mm. look, I, I love Hachimura. I think he's a good player. He's solid. He's a tough kid, but I just don't think they have enough. Yeah, fair enough. I think we're, we're all on that. Spain, just a solid team. They're going to be up there somewhere mm-hmm. um, every year. This is a hard team to pick a standout. You know, Gasol's going again, pal. Uh, Mark's involved again. Um, but for me, I think the guy on their team is Rudy Fernandez. I think um, when they need a bucket, Going to work, I think he's he's going to be the guy still in the perimeter for him. You know, all these flopping and antics and all that. That's that's how he plays. But when he has good games historically for them, when he has a good game from the perimeter, regardless of what the Gasols and, and everyone else is doing, they win basketball games. Yeah, oh, I, I agree with you. The flopping, geez, annoying to what He's an oh. elite player, but my goodness, he – I've 
commentated games with him over the past 10 years, a lot of them, because they've been so good, and it is frustrating when he's out there. If they play Australia, watch the Joe Ingles and uh, Fernandes, because oh. Joey, I think they've had a rivalry since he was right. in Barcelona, and it's yeah. they, there's a bit of... Ref- yeah, it can be frustrating to watch, but to me, Ricky Rubio. Rubio, okay. Rubio, he, he sets the table for everyone else. Against you guys, he, he, he did really he well, really well, played yeah. really well. So it, when he's cooking... And he gets everyone involved, similar, uh, I guess, to a lot of teams with their point guard influence, influences. But uh, to me, he's he's the one that needs to play well, and he has done. He's he's a veteran now. He's been around a long time, and um, he's going to push him. But I don't see this for some reason, and I don't know why. Maybe it's just him, but I don't see this Spanish Spain team being as intimidating as it's been in the past. And I think they they got their hands full. In this, um, in this, in this group, yeah, I think that'll still be tough. I mean, they're just—I think they're similar position to us. Twenty, yeah, a bit, a bit older though. Yeah, that's it. Been, they've just been together so long. I mean, it's you don't have to have those long camps. I think that that helps. Pro, who you got? Because I can't find a roster and I haven't seen them play. Is Maritich playing for them? No, he's not there. He's not there. All right, so I'm gonna, I'll, I'll go with Rudy Fernandez. Fuck it. I'm a huge, no, you know what? Fuck that. I'm gonna go with my favorite international player of all time. I'm gonna go with fucking Paul Gasol. Even though he's like the eighth center on the roster, I'm gonna go with Paul Gasol. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I wonder, it would be interesting to see how many minutes the Gasols get, period, because they've got, the, they got a young big coming up too. Um, I don't have the name on me, but it's supposed to be pretty good. But anyway, Slovenia, I mean. Oh, well, here we yeah, go. Do we even, do we even discuss this one? Luka Doncic, Luka Doncic, Luka Doncic. Correct. They'll be okay, though. I yeah. think they'll have a chance. Yeah. They, You know, Luka gets hot as a triple-double. They can they can, they can, can win a game, as we saw. People didn't have him coming out of that out of that qualification. No. You know, and they did. They did, and uh, he, he is incredible. They're, they run really great system when you watch him play, and he, he buys into that. Yes, the ball stays in his hand, and he's going to create off the dribble, and uh, the actions that he gets involved in, he's dominating, but they still they do run a bit of motion which uh, and, and run some cuts, which is nice to see as well. So, But he is a, he's a bona fide star. Yeah. He's a delight to watch, and um, the thing about these teams, whether it's and, – and that's what worries me the most about our pool when you've got two teams in Germany and Italy that have come through the qualifiers and similarly with Slovenia, they're hardened. They've, they've already been at the coalface of, yep. of playing for your life or else you're out. And that is helpful in your preparation provided you get through and Slovenia is in that category. They've got a lot of good players and but Luke is going to be front and centre with them. Pro? Yeah, Luca. I mean, Luca could take – you know, he could – Get off the bus in fucking Tokyo. He could pick up four homeless guys with him, and he could compete for a medal just because he's one of the he's he's one of the like he's Larry Bird like like that you know as far as like he could put four other guys with him and he could put him in position to win. They won't win, but he'll put him in a position to win with almost any type of player with him because he's just that type of guy, and he's gonna be tough. And is Dragic playing with them? Correct, I assume. Mm-hmm. They're both playing yeah. or no? Yep. Yeah, Dragic is there, yep. isn't he? Yep. yep. Yeah, I mean, the last nine guys I put up there in the, in the last 10 minutes, they haven't played. Three of them were dead <laughs> and two of them got deported. So, you know, I just wanted to make sure. But no, with those two guys, I mean, the way Luca plays and they compete, I mean, there's nobody great in that you know, in that pool. There's some good teams in that pool. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if Slovenia could take number one or number two in that pool just because, look, Argentina's okay Spain's good, but they're not great. I don't think Japan's going to get out of there. But like any of those three, you can miss. It's like rearranging the deck chairs at a Titanic. I mean, you never know. It doesn't really it, like it. You could just you could get any three combination out of there because there's no really like clear cut winner in my opinion in that pool. But 
you know, we'll see. But I think, yeah, Doncic for sure. And remember, for everyone listening, some third-place teams will get through to the quarterfinals. Yeah. So only one of them, you know, gets a, eliminated. But um, my, this is how I have it standing at the end of it. I have Spain first, Slovenia second, Argentina third, Japan fourth. Drewy? I'm going with Slovenia first, Spain, and then Argentina, and then Japan. Okay. Pro? Fucking gay stole my shit again, man. Come on. Sorry, yeah, sorry, I, I've bro. been here. I've been... I've been here 29 fucking episodes, and now you're stealing my fucking thunder on these picks, man. No, no, no. I'm going with I'm go, I'm going with my guy. I'm going with my guy, Gaze. Slovenia yeah, first. Go. Same cool. thing. Okay. And yeah. you know the thing about it too, and I don't know whether it was just because the cameras are on and you're in that a moment when you're with the national team, but did you see the interview um, when he was in those qualifiers and in in the uh, press conference after it, and they they get yeah, through. They came in. They they did that, but, the but song. they they sang it. But, but above and beyond that is that they asked him, "What would mean more to you? Would it be an NBA title or a gold medal for Slovenia?" And he went with the gold medal for mm. Slovenia. And I think that I mean, Bugs, you could probably speak on it more than what we can. Just that what it means in in that part of the world. Well, even over here, it's the same for us. Like, because well, I guess because I don't know if there's a question of do the USA guys take it for granted because it's a yeah, it's it's so certain almost every other year. Yeah, and for a basketball nation like Slovenia, such a small country, Australia, you know, yeah. I think there's just that pride of like, you know, we're not supposed to do it, so yep. we're going to do it. Yeah, so I think it just means much more for for those countries. Whereas if you're the US or the Russia in ice hockey yeah. or whatever it is, right? I think you're just meant to do it. So yeah. it's kind of like, yeah, we did it, we ticked the box. But that's how I see it. I just think it's a. It's I a think great the, Pat, Paddy Mills would be the same. I think he would cherish an Olympic gold medal more than he does his NBA championship. As great, no doubt. As there's no doubt in my yeah. mind. Yeah, it just makes makes total sense. Mm. All right, that's our Olympic wrap. We'll see how that goes. We'll see how right and wrong we are in a couple of weeks. But once again, we will be commentating at Drury and I. Yes. So check into Channel Seven for that. We have a segment here called it's a stats segment where we oh. we find stats that are. You know, all over the place, right? And, you, and we've discussed whether they're useful or useless because oh. there's a lot of crazy stuff out there. there is. You know, so the first one, very, very mm. good. The Bucks finished the 2021 playoffs five and zero when wearing their white jersey at home. <laughs> all other teams went zero and seven. Yes. Useful or use, useless, Drew? What do you think? Useless, <laughs> just a coincidence. I don't even think they'd know half the time what color their jerseys are once you're out there and the ball goes up. No idea. Although I have heard. Uh, that there is some psychology behind the colour of the uniform and the impact that can have on the official. So maybe so there, you go. there may be something, but nah, I'm calling it useless. Right. Hey, Gaze, you went to seven fucking classes all year at Seton Hall 45 fucking years ago. Don't pull the like, fucking psychology bullshit on us, all right? <laughs> my my three-year-old kid had more college credits than you fucking have. So calm the fuck down with your psychology, all right? And by the way, the Bucks are also 5-0 and oh when I eat 3,000 or more calories after 10 o'clock at night, all right? Th th you could stick that fucking stat up your ass. That's a, one of the biggest bullshit things I've heard in my fucking life. <laughs> fucking jerks. Yeah, it was a bit of a fun one, here. but definitely... Definitely useless. <laughs> All right. The, the Greek freak this finals. Yes. 26 points, 14 rebounds, eight assists. Yes. Th three uh, blocks, two steals, 58% field goal percentage. Then he's that followed, was in game four. Uh, sorry, that was, yep. Then he's yep. followed that with 41, 13, and six. Then he's followed that with 42, 12, 4, 1, and three. And then he's followed that with 20, 17, 4, 2, and 1. Yep. All you know, above 50% field goal percentage. This man had his knee bent backwards two years shocking. ago. Useful or useless that? That he had his knee no, bent? No, just the whole – the the numbers that he – these are just the stats that yes. he 
provided. They're yes. very useful stats. I they think. are exceptionally yes. attractive statistics. And, amazing. And uh, phenomenal that the way in which he would do it on the back of that knee injury where I thought he was he was done for a long period of time when I saw that knee go back. It, would, it looked horrific, but he's um, he's bounced back and he's putting up numbers that if it were not for those numbers, they would not be in this situation and it would be ta-da and they'd be popping champagne in Phoenix. They would. Pro? Folks, there was less numbers on the blackboard with fucking uh, Matt Damon and Goodwill Hunting. How many fucking numbers did you put in that fucking it was staff, every game. by the way? It was Man, game oh. one, two, three, and four. <laughs> yes. I know your attention span is the same as your three-year-old, but geez. Uh, yeah, no doubt about that. I've, poor bastard's got my DNA in him. But um, yes, I think that uh, it's useful. That the fucking guy, he's come to play. And let's be honest, I'd say about ninety nine percent of the public probably thought he was done after after that. You know, was after the, yeah, that was horrendous. Back, no, was like yeah, that. terrible. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, I'm following that one up with this one. This is the last one for game three. Giannis mm. scored forty one points mm-hmm. and did not take make a shot outside of five feet. Mm-hmm. Useful or useless? I think that's useful. Absolutely. Uh, he, he, they're going to dare him to shoot it. They're going to make him, make him, and invite him to shoot it from the perimeter, particularly from the three point line. But uh, his ability to get there, when he gets downhill and can get both feet in the paint, the efficiency and the stats speak for themselves, and that is a pivotal reason why the the uh, the Bucks are able to get those wins because he has the capacity to do that. And he's the only player in the last 25 seasons to even score 30 points in a finals without making a field goal outside of five feet. So, pro? Yeah, I don't. I, I think it's useful. I don't think I. I like the fact that he didn't really fall into what he's been falling into in some in, in previous years of just launching up shots to launch up shots. I think he's getting to his kill spots. I think he's getting to the basket. He's getting to the post. Uh, you know, he wants to get fouled, even though sometimes he'll probably make 50, 55% uh, from the line. But I think he's just getting to where he gets to. So it doesn't really bother me that, that he, he only scored from that distance. I think he did a, you know, he did a good job just getting to his spots and, and, and being effective and putting them in position to win. What do you think, Bogues? Well, especially when they're setting up that everyone mm. set up the Giannis wall, mm. set up the Giannis wall, and he still managed to score 41. Mm. Yeah, in, basically inside the paint. That's that's amazing, and just goes to show his athleticism. Early on in that series, we spoke about he wasn't euro stepping, he wasn't as comfortable with the knee. But these last couple of games, man, I mean, you mm. know, when everyone knows what you, when everyone knows what you're going to do, mm. and you can still do it because you're just supremely, you know, athletic and confident and high IQ player. That's an amazing, amazing stat. And you know what the thing is, and I, and I hate to put a damper on what he's doing, but the. It's hard with the way the game's officiated to stop him. It is. Because he just bullies, he just walks in there and just rolls over people and they don't, that very rarely they're going to call a, a, an offensive power, particularly when he's in that, you know, not on in the transition. So it is very, very difficult for him. And if you do, you, you, you build that wall, you're kicking it out and they're knocking down three. So it is hard, but... He's done well to, to not settle and make sure he gets to the paint. But he, you, you go, well, how do you stop that? You've got it's this tough. freak coming at you. And he's within eight feet of the basket. It's a layup yeah. finger roll for him. He's just so long. And that's a problem with the Euro from the top of the key. If he picks the ball up, you know, Miami had success of making him pick the ball up last playoffs yep. a season ago. They made him pick it up before he got to the free throw line. So yep. he started his Euro a good two meters back and then he's not at the cup. But if he picks it up at the free throw line, you're in some trouble because it's either a dunk or a finger roll. So mm. 
yeah, he's, he's having an amazing series, and it'll be interesting to see how what they do to adapt. Our final segment before we wrap it up is fact or fake news, Drew. Cool. So it's this pro segment. What do you got for us, pro? Fellas, the Boomers will finally medal in an Olympic Games. Top three finish. Fact or fake news? No, that's fact. That's fact. They, they, they should have it. Bogue should have a medal around his neck given oh. the, the most – one of the most horrific – officiating decisions we've ever seen. Uh, so I think, and they're being close. They backed it up in 2019. They're right there on the cusp. So I think uh, their form suggests that that is fact. Fact. Everything's pointing to fact for this one. We're, we're, I think we're well-oiled, well-primed. Gorge has those guys firing. Uh, good balanced roster. But I, I forgot to ask you, Drewy, uh, you put Gideon in the team? Do you put him in the 12? Yes, I would have had Who him Who does he replace? Team. Put you on the spot. That's the hard one. Are you going to answer it? That Who's is he going to replace? One. See, I had, this is what I like about Gideon. Yeah. I had. I said that, look, as of today, Sobey's the better player hmm. than Giddy. As of today, right now. Right. Right? But for what Giddy brings long term, I would have had him in. That's my opinion, right? And But Giddy, this is what I like about him. Hmm. He messaged me about it and, and, and was fired up about it. He wasn't, oh, yeah. he wasn't happy about it. No, no. And I actually like – Yeah. People would take that as like, hey, it's just my – I like that shit. Yeah. I like the fact that he, he messaged me like, like, what the fuck? I'm better than him right I'm now. better than him. Absolutely. And that's, but I forgot to ask you that. So who's he replacing for you? Well, that is the obvious one. But based and, – and this is a real small sample size. So just based on what I've seen, I'm not 100% convinced that it's, uh, it's either him or Josh Green. Mm-hmm. Now I think they both are. You can see a role for both of them. Yeah. But you know, you're not playing twelve guys. Exactly. And someone has to sit. And you, if you're thinking about, and you know, you never gift anyone an Olympic jersey. You never do that. But if it's close, you take the younger guy. That's yeah. that's that's. Shane my point. Hill tells that story, and I've mentioned it on the pod. Ninety-two. Yep. He he went along and didn't play a whole lot. That's correct. He said he just basically ate ice creams. He but did. He said it Magnums. Was, yeah, it was instrumental. You remember? It was yeah. instrumental. I was his roommate. Instrumental for his development with 100%. the Boomers culture and program. And that's, I think, that's the hard thing with national teams is the forward thinking because, Gorge, look, you can't argue with what Gorge did. Yep. He's win now mentality. But there needs to be a bit of direction of we yep. want to win now, but we also got to have a bit of an eye yep. for the future because I'm not saying Josh is this guy, but Ben Simmons, mm. you know? He got cut years ago and yeah. that's a soft spot now and there's mm. no real affiliation to that national team. Yeah. Bro, what do you got? Fact or fake news? Well, you said gold medal, so fact. No, it's fact. They're going gold, USA, and I, I'll have Slovenia as my my bronze medalist for this for the Olympics. But yeah, I say fact. They're gonna they're gonna they'll medal this Olympics for sure. Okay, next. The next NBA TV deal will be less than seventy five billion, as reported last week. Fact or fake news? I'm going to go fake news on this one. Um, <laughs> that is over seven, eight, nine years, so still is, you know, seven, eight billion a year. Um, I think just the raw numbers that we spoke about last week, Drew, you might not yep. have tuned in for that episode of Road Bows, but there is some dwindling numbers in NBA viewership, heavy dwindling numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently the NBA TV viewership- well, It's is better the- than last year. But last year was a coronavirus. There was a True. lot going on. But you, when you compare it to 2018, 2019, 2016, yeah. mm. not looking good. The the rate of cord cutting, sorry, the rate of people not tuning into NBA TV has exceeded the rate of cord cutting in the US. So, and we argue, you know, there is we had a whole discussion about it last week where, you know, you've got your Netflix and your Hulu Sports mm. and all these platforms. Will they? Will they? It's not really a, a, a game for that service because mm. they're not commercial based mm. where the value for 
pro sports, it's one of the last beacons of it being able to run live advertising. Because mm. now you watch something on Netflix, you don't see an ad. You want to mm. watch it, you want to get away from yes. it. So that's my reasoning for I think I think it's a number potentially reported. So you say fact. So you say fact less oh, than less 75 than, sorry, billion. Yeah, I say fact, yeah. So I think it's going to be less than 75 billion. Gaze, what do you think, brother? It's, a, it's an interesting one because I think that the way in which it's consumed and how in which someone gets a return on that investment, uh, I tend to – I tend to lean towards what Bogues was saying, but if, if, if the way that an organisation can dissect and, and break up the games, maybe it's got some merit because right now, what what are they on right now? It, it's probably on. It's billions already per it's billions, annum. Much less than I think. Yeah. it's four or five probably somewhere around there. And the way in which it, the game is being consumed, uh, in that where you user pay and the global nature of it. Here we are in Australia, and I don't know if it's still the case, but for many years, we per capita were the highest consumers of uh, for NBA league pass than any Legal, other. Legal, yes, yes, that's Legal. true. Legally purchased, yes. Yeah. So well, That's true. Yep. Yep. If, you, if, you, if it's going to be pirated all around the world. And which, we're, we're top, I think we're one or two in um, authentic gear purchase too, funnily enough. Well, there you go. And that was that was part of the reason why the NBA was like, we're not going to have a preseason game out there. That, that was what I got back, was like, we already own the market. Why would we send right. it? And, and, and a- Somewhat makes sense. Some, yeah, it's not as, fair. As, Reward the fans though, as a thank you. Then maybe, but we correct. We, we buy the authentic shit. Whether it is spending three hundred for the jersey, <laughs> not the twenty five. Yeah, from, we're not buying the ones from Bali. So, <laughs> so from Alibaba. Yeah, yeah. Jump so, on Alibaba. You can pick so, one up. And 20. actually, two point five billion per year right now. Is right the now, deal. So that's Ooh, a massive that's a, jump. That's yeah, a massive. I can't. Oh, I'm. I'm saying that. That's. I don't think you're going to see that type of jump. Less than. So yes. Fact. Is that what you said? Fact. Yeah. yeah pro. Fact. You know what? Why not keep the scam going? They've been scamming this long on the fucking TV deal. Let's go fucking fake news. Let's go fucking. It's going to be a hundred fucking billion. You know, mask and gun, brother. Mask and fucking gun. Might as well. Yeah. Yeah. Someone will be right. What do you got next? With Kawhi's injury, he opts into his contract instead of opting out and become a free agent. Ooh, I think I think it might be fact. I think he's got a, a decent layoff because even the partial tears for ACLs mm. can be almost as bad, right? As as a time mm. time out as an AC full rupture, right? Yep. Um, potentially can be the same, and then you're weary about coming back. So it would give him a buy year where he's still getting paid a shitload of money. Let's be honest, even if he comes back with. You know, at eighty percent, he's still getting the max when he's a free agent. He's that good of a player, so I would say, I would say, fact. I think he opts in, rehabs on the Clippers' dime, maybe gets healthy towards the end of next season, and then becomes a free agent. Yeah, as much as I'd like to disagree with Bogues on this one, because I think these guys would be—he'd be saying, "Well, I'm injured now. I've still got enough currency." That I'm going to go and someone will sign me for a long, long term. LRKD, yeah, a long term deal. But I think because of the nature and the age profile and all those things that I have, to, unfortunately, I have to link ah. with Bogues. But there's something in me says that these guys with the bravado and the ego and the long term planning that maybe thinks the time is right. But no, I don't think so. Pro. I got no problem to tell the Bogues to fuck off. I'm going to go <laughs> against Bogues and I'm going to say that. I'm going to say the Clippers because they don't own a draft pick to the year 4,000 because of the fucking <laughs> trades they made. I'm just going to say that they're going to say, fuck it. They're going to, he's, he'll opt out. He'll say, hey, opt out. We'll give you the max. We'll, we'll max you out as many years as you want. You name the deal because he owns that franchise right now. He owns it. Right. And if him and Paul George don't come together and, co- and come to them and, and, and they lose one of those guys, 
you know, they're, they're going to be fucked. And I don't think they care that he got he got his knee ripped up as far as, like, signing him long term. Just because of how the medical is with these, you know, it's not a death sentence like it was 15 years ago. So, you know, he'll probably get to 95% of what he's been through it. Now, I don't know. I'm not a medical guy, obviously. But I think that he'll opt out. They'll sign him. And then they'll just wrap him up long term to a max deal. That's That's my opinion. That's interesting because that's that's the Clippers having to show a lot, a lot of faith in that. Yeah, it can hinder you. Yeah, that's what I'm out. saying. It's gonna it's gonna hamstring him in other areas for a long period of time. Whereas right now they can just if he just stops. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's, it's, they it's, are in win now mode, so it wouldn't it would make sense for him because, like Pro said, they got no draft picks. They're not even close to a rebuild no, yet. True. So it might just be push all the chips to the table. And yeah, be like, we're going all in. We're overspending. Whatever over the cap, who cares? Let's do it. But yeah. yeah, it will be interesting. Right now, Clipper scouts are scouring hospitals, in, in, in when kids are just getting out of their womb, out of the womb, scouting fucking guys for their draft class because <laughs> that's the next draft class they're going to have. Pick it. Uh, first round pick in. So yeah, I think they I think they're gonna do that. So that's that's my deal. All right. Great man, Andrew Gaze. Hey, thank you very much. It? Episode twenty nine, Rogue Bogues. Um hope you enjoyed. Pro, any final words for, for the great man we have here? Few things. I've you know, the grill the grill gaze thing, I've done it pretty good, pretty well over the course of the of the show. First of all, I spoke to one of your assistants. From Seton Hall, Rod Baker today. Love him. He's one of my best friends. He's a great guy. Yeah, I love guy. him. He's one of my best friends. Yeah, I love him to death. Bro, what is he doing these days? He's a scout for the Philadelphia 76ers. Right. He's a pro. Uh, he's a college scout for the 76ers. One of my best friends. I've known him close to 20 years. He adores you. I talked to him today. I said, look, before I mention your fucking name today and I throw a, log, a, a fucking hanging curveball to Barry Bonds in the steroid era, if you don't fucking like the guy and he doesn't like you, I won't mention the name. No. He goes, no, 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 no. I love him. He loves me. Yeah. He was telling me how you got recruited at Seton Hall, yeah. how you beat the shit out of him in some fucking exhibition. <laughs> and then him, PJ, John Carroll, which I know as well, who yeah. was an assistant in Boston when I was there. So, no, nah, first of all, that. Awesome. He says to say hello. Please pass on my regards because he's a, he's a good man. And I've, I've actually got a little photo of him and me that I have at home. So I, he's uh, he's very much dear to my heart. Yeah, I have, a, I have a feeling he's not one of our 27 listeners. So don't worry about it. So I'll tell him <laughs> that. I don't think he's going to be listening to the show. Secondly, with your unbelievable fucking run, not only in the, you know, in the NBL, but in the Olympics, like you, it was like, for me, when I watched it in 88, it was like you and Oscar Schmidt. You know, I, yeah. I, I was an Oscar Schmidt guy in 88. And then, you know, you came along and did your thing. Um, I was just hoping you didn't wouldn't break a hip because guys at the age 57 or more when they're playing, you know, that, that could be a, yeah. a downward spiral. But what's the best besides the American – actually, I got a couple of questions on that. But besides the American teams like in 96 and so in 92, what was the best team that you faced – in the Olympics with the talent that you had to go against. Easy, easy. Um, and, if you go to yeah. 1988, you got you the old Yugoslavia and the old yeah. the old uh, Soviet Union. Dude, mm. Sabonis had like 20 rebounds on you guys, right? Like 17 yeah. and 20, I think. Well, well Sabonis had problems yeah. because he had those Achilles and, and we, we got Sabonis um, in uh, – that was – Sydney. No, no, but yeah, he, he beat us there, but in Atlanta – 
he he he, he got hold of us and he hit a three. We we had that down the stretch. We had the game one and Sabonis of all things come down and knock down a couple of threes down the stretch. But he was a freak. The best I ever saw Sabonis was prior to he got got that Achilles problem. In we played the World Championships in 1986, and this dude was doing stuff that that even today. Imagine Jokic on steroids. He he, he just he'd get this re- like one hand of rebounds and just be able to. Underarm pass at full court and hit someone on the numbers as they're going to lay it up. I mean, he was just something that uh, – talk about what he would have been like if he had been playing in the NBA. Uh, he would have been mentioned – now, I know he's held in great esteem because he went to the NBA and, and still did some very good things, but that was after he got hurt. He barely move, yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. – but he, if he, him in his prime, he would have been an incredible NBA player. And I think Remus Kurtnitis played, right? Yeah. Against you guys in 88 too? Yeah, yeah absolutely. He had like 21. Yeah, yeah absolutely. he was good. Last question. Now, in 96, you know, in the Shane Hale incident, obviously, with Barkley, I'm not <laughs> going to go with that. 9,000 fucking people probably ask you about that. Yeah. Now, Malone and, and Bradkey got into it a little bit. Yeah. And then you put like you tried to like calm fucking Carmelo down. And you put your hand on his fucking chest, and he looked at that fucking hand. He was like, That's "Get great. that fucking hand, yeah. dude!" I'm in my office. That game was forty fucking years ago, yeah. and I shit my pants. Yeah. How the fuck did you feel no. with that guy in your face like that? No, that was like some people can really hurt you because the man is an adult. I mean, he is just ripped, and you know, from yeah. when you actually touch someone. And the synapses fire and send a message to your brain. It was not just the yeah. look; it was the touch of the man, the muscles, and every every <laughs> cell I could feel in my in my fingertips that I knew <laughs> I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and that this is not what, where I do my best work. So it was one where, Dude, as a folks. captain, the captain of the team, you're trying to fly the flag. But, but that was one where I was genuinely scared. Usually, yeah, you've got fans. You, surely this guy's not going to punch me. But I thought, no, 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 this bloke could punch me and I will, I'm dead instantly. So it was, uh, it was a, one of the scariest moments. Dude, it was like fucking Apollo Creed yes. when he put his shit against fucking Drago and Drago was like fucking, like hit him like a fucking pound of rock. I was scared from, like I said, I watched that game and shit my pants in my office <laughs> and that game was 30 fucking years ago. And no, you know, that was great, man. Bradkey's not a small dude either. He's he's, no. he's a big unit, but compared to the, the male man. Yeah, Malone shoved the shit out of him the last possession. So they probably, he got pissed at that and it was like a no call. Yeah. And then I, I think that they got revved up, but that was unbelievable but yeah, no nah, man i i i appreciate shooting the shit today man it was it was an honor because like you were one of my favorite olympic guys and i oh, really appreciate man. your time brother i appreciate it bro it's uh it's interesting it's um you know i had heard some of the the clips before and and uh and yeah they're true the 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 uh the language and the <laughs> <laughs> profanity—it's it's all true. So, but it's in—it's in context and it's in fun. So I, I love it. Well done. Oh, pro, pro swears from a good place, though. Yeah, that's not, what I'm saying. Uh, you know, you, yeah. you got to take it with what it is. And if you don't like it, no, always- I don't mind it. It's good. It's 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 fun. Hey, I got a great story. So I'm doing a partnership, like a workout, like a working out uh, players and stuff, and I partnered up with this Christian school. And yeah. before oh, they're going to sign the deal, yeah. the guy, the, the AD at the school, great guy. He was like, by the way, we have a background check. Is there anything that I need to know? I go, look, <laughs> I had a, I had a, 
Look, I said, sir, I have a speeding ticket back in 94. That's probably the, the closest thing you'll get to anything. But I'm going to tell you this. I co-host a podcast and I'm a little vulgar on it. But besides that, I'm all right. No, it's 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 not vulgar. It's in context. Oh, it's when you, raw. We try yeah. to be. You know, these, these are these are the way locker rooms and yeah. it's, it's raw. It's it's the way things are in the real world. We don't want to be uh, the fake stuff, Drew. We have enough of that no, in the real world. I like mate. it. I like it. All right, it's it's all good. Once again, thanks to Andrew Gaze. Thank thanks, you, bro. Thanks, and bro. We will. Uh, hey, time, guys. I'll see you next week, bro. Absolutely, fellas. Hey, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you, folks. Good man.